This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. And we are live here on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Presented by my bookie, I'm Rich Grage, alongside, as always, the king of banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? Oh, you got it. You got it that time. No, uh, no, no, no I didn't no. fuck it up. Yeah, I didn't fuck it up. I did fuck up whatever your new. I forget what your new nickname was. <laughs> I was in the midst of of saying the king of banter, and I was like, ah, oh, damn it! Like a few weeks ago, he told me that he had a new nickname, and now I forget what it was now. So, the attractive and powerful. <laughs> I, I don't think that was it. That I don't think that was it. It was something about you being uh, perfectly honed instincts or something like that. Was that it? Yes. Was it perfectly honed instincts? A man with perfectly honed instincts? A man with the perfectly honed instincts. Yes, that was yeah. it. So. Are those instincts uh, so perfect? Uh, after uh... Well, it, well, I, I, I'll tell you because that, that show was so long ago because you haven't <laughs> done a show in, in three weeks. Right. That, that, that nickname was a product of being um, – 100% correct on Kazuchika Okada, which that's so old now. It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's been proven. Everyone time and time realizes. Again. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's like doing his full matches now for the most part. Like, like, you know, that, but that, that's what that was. But, um, I kind of like the attractive and powerful Joe Lanza. I, I, even though it's, uh, you know, where I'm, oh, you may not even know what I'm talking about when I say that. Huh? I don't think I do. Yeah. There are people in the chat room seem to think that there's something there. I don't, I don't, what, what is, yeah. Can you, can you clue me in on what this, this means? Well, on the Jericho, you didn't watch the Jericho 30th anniversary. Uh, I did not. I've seen. Oh, okay, so I saw the dog the dog collar match, but I did not. I just I basically fast forward yeah. through everything and just watched the dog collar match because you kind of told me, uh, you know, I, I when I came back from my trip, you were like, all right, here's the things to watch or whatever, and yeah, I just I fast forwarded right through the AEW show right to uh, the, the the dog collar match, which ruled by the way. I'm glad I watched that. It was a great match. But well, they had celebrities. As you know, for the commercial bumpers, they had little celebrities doing like 15 second videos uh, congratulating Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For his 30 years. And one of them was Gene Simmons of Kiss. And he introduced himself as the attractive and powerful Gene. <laughs> well, I mean. I mean, I. Who's the. I'm not going to argue. Tell, yeah. I'm you can tell argue. Gene Simmons he's not attractive and powerful. Now, listen, I may dispute that that man's attractive, but he's had sex with like 10,000 women or so he claims. He's one of these guys who claims. He has defeated Wilt Chamberlain's record for number right, one. right. Which, which, if you actually do the math on Wilt Chamberlain's record, is 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 nearly impossible to do. But, but with that said, Gene has had a lot more years to do it. So as long as he's still out there, um, it, it's it's tough. That ten thousand, you know, it, it's it's a high number. Uh, I don't think it was possible for Wilt Chamberlain to do so. But twenty thousand? No, it, no. It was I mean, like if you look, if you actually run the math, it's like, oh dear God, no possible. way! Like <laughs> that man is, you know, no one has that stamina. No one's like that is that is a clear decision every single night that all I'm going to do tonight is to have sex with ten women 
that that yeah. is that's your plans I, every night. You can't just have one night where you go, ah, you know what? I just kind of want to watch a movie and eat a steak and go to bed. Like every night, you got to bang ten women every single night. Every night, you got to bang one point two women. <laughs> right, right, right. To, to get to that number, because people have done the math, it's just impossible. Gene Simmons probably isn't that much. He's younger not. Than yeah, Will well, Chamber. I just mean because Will. Like, well, yeah, Will died when he was. Yeah, when did Will die? Not when Will he. Died. I mean, how old was he? I, I forget how old he was when he died, but um. But how long ago did he die? Because then it was like Simmons. 1999 when he died. So he was uh, he was so 63. Simmons. Oh, he was 63 then. Okay, never mind. So, well, Simmons has like 21 years now to catch up. That's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you were saying. How old is Gene Simmons? Oh, right sorry, now? I, looked up Bill, I looked up Bill Simmons for some reason. Not the right Simmons. Yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna guess that uh, Bill Simmons has not had sex with. 10,000 uh, women. So. Significantly lower. <laughs> sure. Uh, Gene Simmons is 71. And Chamberlain was 63, 21 yes. years ago. Yeah. So he's like, what? Th- uh, math rich. What? 30 oh, years old? get out of here. I'm not doing math. So he was. No. How old is Simmons? He's 71. He's 71 so he was, right now. Yeah. So he was 50 when Chamberlain died. He's 13 years younger. So Chamberlain had a 13 year head start. But Simmons has now had 21 years since Chamberlain is dead. Correct. Yeah. So, so, so in theory, Gene Simmons has had more fucking years, um, not more fucking years, but more years of fucking. Yeah. There you so go. No right. Just to clarify, yeah, the adjective is confusing there. So, yeah, years of fucking is is probably. He's had more years where he was of fucking age in his life than Chamberlain has now, right? Because he's extent. Even if they both started at it an unusually young age, which something tells me they both did. So, um, cause they seem like very virile men who are into the horniness. <laughs> Although you never know with Gene Simmons, if he was like a nerdy kid who didn't start getting action until he was in kiss, maybe he didn't start. Right. To. And that, that's kind of like, I think Wilt like from day one was pretty much like, well, not day, not literally day one, but you know, pretty, pretty early on. I think Wilt kind of knew his lot in life and knew, Hey, I'm the best athlete that's ever lived yeah. and, and type stuff. So yeah, I think he, uh, he probably got started a little bit earlier than, than, than Gene. Whereas as Gene, like, yeah, you can see just from the look of Gene Simmons, you could tell that like a lot of it is, is that kiss, everything with kiss, the makeup, the bravado, the music, like, that that enhances him greatly because you look at a gene and again he he called himself attractive and powerful and again as you said he's had sex with a lot more women than I have so uh, I can't really uh, dispute that but yeah you do think he does strike me as a guy who got a late start going he looks kind of like a dork who if he wasn't in Kiss probably um, right would, because, would have less than Bill Simmons if if you know if we're if we're relating well, to Simmons. Like, well Bill, I'm just saying because Bill Simmons got married at a normal age. <laughs> right. Bill Simmons has probably had sex with maybe 14 women, right? Tops. That's a good number. 14? Like 14. Like, uh, yeah, and that's, 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 that might be high. That might even be high for Bill. That might be a little high, but he seems like a guy who wasn't a total dork in college and high school. He may have gotten some action. He talked, he talked, he talked himself into a few. Um... He's Yeah, he's a pretty personable guy. So I would think that he got some action in high school and college. But like you're saying with Will Chamberlain, he was always fucking freakishly tall and the best athlete when he was starting as a child. Yeah, that's so, when he was 14 was was probably banging 18 year olds. You know what I mean? Like that. I just... think as soon as he could pop a rod, he was probably having sex. Is what I'm thinking, right? Because he was always. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we we only have a million topics. <laughs> we to only have to. 17 things so... to go to. We haven't done a show in three weeks. We have two ads, but yeah, no, let's talk about Will Chamberlain's fucking erections. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Will Chamberlain's childhood erections. Perfect. Great. People think we planned this, too. But no, we have no... There's no... No. No. 
That's never the plan to talk about Will Chamberlain's erection. It's never, <laughs> never the plan at all. But that's what happens. But that, that guy's a real that, asshole on Twitter too. Will Chamberlain's erection. I hate that guy. He's a turd. Is that a real? No, account? no. I'm sure it is now. I'm sure oh, someone is that now. No, it's, like, it not? seems like someone that would like tweet at us about how Taichi is like really, really good and the MVP of the G1 or something like that. You know what I mean? Wilt Chamberlain's erection. Yeah, yeah. right, right. It would be like Gene, the real Gene MVP Simmons. is Yano. <laughs> like, okay, of course. Right. Yeah, Gene Simmons' tongue. Right, that'd be another one out there. He's famous for that big tongue, Rich. He's got that long tongue, which, uh, from what I understand, is very advantageous for the cunnilingus. Is what I, uh, I was gonna say. What? I'd be ironic if he never did it. If he was like, "Nah, I'm not into that." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's got this. Just, oh yeah. Yeah, and if he like, "Nah, that's not. That's not really a." I don't really like doing that. So. Like he uses the tongue to 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 woo the women, right? And they I, think, "Oh, this is going to be great." That I'm going to get a little bit of that, and then he's just like, "No, nah, nah, I'm good." <laughs> right, right. But then he's like, "I'm the attractive and powerful Gene Simmons, so we're just going to have uh, coitus, right?" And right, that's what right, he would right. say too. <laughs> he would say that's coitus how he as well. Yeah. yeah, he'd say, "We're just going to have coitus, and we're going to uh, perform this uh, doggy style, and that's it, and that's all you're getting because." He's the attractive and powerful Gene Simmons, and he calls the shots. Right, right, right. Right? He calls the shots. So you really can't dispute that when he tells you you're just going to have coitus. So um, we're off to a great start here. <laughs> it's a fantastic uh, start, yeah. I can't even think of a transition um, to A block G1 advancement <laughs> scenarios. I don't, I can't, I don't know where to go with this. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. I am scrolling desperately through Gene Simmons' uh, uh, Wikipedia to try to figure out a way to relate this, but there is, <laughs> Some kind of... there is no way to do so. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to move on. But, yeah, as you said, we have a ton to get to uh, this week. We have the G1, final weekend coming up of the G1. You have talked about this G1 as so many goddamn times, but uh, I can finally jump in here. We'll talk about some scenarios and stuff going on. Uh, A-Block final is going to happen uh, tomorrow morning or, or tonight, depending on where you are. Uh, so most people, if you're not listening to this live on patreon.com slash voices wrestling, uh, you may have already been spoiled by all this, but hey, fuck it, whatever, too bad. Um, B-Block final is going to be on Saturday morning, and then it all ends uh, Sunday morning. Uh, October 18th with the final. So we'll talk a little bit about kind of wrap up and not necessarily wrap up the G1, but kind of talk about the scenarios, talk about, you know, what we think can happen, make some predictions, that sort of stuff. Uh, the collective busy weekend in Indianapolis for uh, the collective. We'll talk about that. Uh, the matches and the shows that we watched, what stood out, what we liked, what we hated, uh, and also the fallout and, 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 you know, the, the ripple effect of that fallout, uh, as well. We also have pro wrestling Noah's the N1 victory. We watched the final match. We'll talk about that of, you know, the N1 victory, uh, final, the All Japan Champion Carnival Final, All Japan's Real World Tag League, NXT TakeOver, Impact Wrestling Victory Road, Epic Encounters 3. We got a, a ton to get to, but let's let's not delay anymore. Uh, let's talk G1 here. As we said, the A Block Final coming up. Uh, by the time a lot of you guys listen to this, it might have already happened, but for those listening live, the smart ones paying $10 on Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling, you get our thoughts before, as we preview this, as we get ready for the A Block Final. Uh, before we actually talk about the matches and whatnot, uh, overall thoughts on the A block in G1 so far. I've, tried, I've done as much catch up as I can and and uh, watch as much of the matches and watch as much of the shows as I could. And I'm very intrigued by the A block. I think the A block has a lot more, you know, just not 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 in, just with like the actual in ring, which I think has been the A block's been tremendous, like really really good stuff throughout the A block. I just think the scenarios, the stories, how everything can play out. I just think the A block. It, it, as I predicted, and as many people predicted, the A block I thought just blew away the B block in this entire G one. Yeah, I mean uh, the subscribers have been hearing my thoughts for um, 
you know, to what nine nineteenth of September. How long? Well, a little let. Yeah, a little about a month. Yeah. Weeks. Um, but yeah, I thought the A block. Look, I, I look. Most people thought the A block would have the better matches, and I think, um, you know, for the most part, that's been the case. Um, just there were just better matchups, but I agree. I, I think the A block has also been just more intriguing from um, a storyline standpoint and all that because the Okada thing, and the last time we talked was. You know, right when the G1 was getting, I think after night two was the last time that you and I did a show and talked about the G1. And the big controversy at that time is, is Okada washed up? Remember? Right. And, yeah. Um, you know, at, you know and, and, you know, we took our little victory lap that it was pretty obvious he was doing a story and that was the case. And he progressively, as the tournament moved along, um, you know, started wrestling. Be- Rick, Rich, it's a miracle. That tape on his back apparently cured him. <laughs> And, and, the loosely and applied all, athletic tape is, 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 is it. We made fun of it, but it turned out it actually was the cure to all that ailed him. So fantastic! It turned out that was indeed the cure, and all of a sudden, <laughs> this thirty-year-old man is not uh, <laughs> can still wrestle, Joe. He's going to be okay, I think. That's, that's one day the back tape was gone, and all of a sudden he's having four and a half star matches. It's funny how that works. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, between that and this uh, willow spray, sort of. I don't even know if you can call it a slow burn heel turn. He's just, he's a dick. Yeah. He's just a big um, giant dick. <laughs> just a big loud dick is all he's doing. So, Yeah. And then you have, you know, big Tom Ishii out there just quietly, you know, running up another MVP with, um, you know, the guys, he's averaging four stars per match on grapple. It's, it's just unheard of to go through, you know, eight, nine matches in this tournament and just average, over four stars. Yeah, and he's going to be in the final match on the A block too, and you know that they're going to go balls to the wall for that match as well. So yeah, I can't yeah he's in the main event, so it's an absolute right. lock, you know, against the guy who's having a great tournament, Jay White. I love, I lo- yeah, that was the guy I was actually going to bring up. Is is you know one of the things with the A block that I was kind of like okay, you know, at the beginning of the A block when we're previewing it, we're looking at the names, and there's the obvious names they're going to you know Okada and Osprey and Shingo and Suzuki who was who's been tremendous as well, Kotobushi. Like you knew what you were getting out of those guys. Those guys were all going to deliver. Those guys were all going to be good. And your 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 X factors, your kind of question marks were your Jeff Cobb. So I think Cobb is is done a lot better than he did in the prior G1. He's still not in the upper echelon. He's still probably in the lower half uh, of the roster. But I think he's done a lot better than he did last. Uh, year. Uh, Ujiro is Ujiro. I think he's fine. They've kept a lot of the Ujiro stuff short and kind of inoffensive, which is good. Uh, Taichi, I think, has been great. I've really liked Taichi's tournament. And then it kind of all came down to, okay, what about Jay White? You know, what is he going to be in this tournament? Is he going to be mucking it up? Is he going to be sort of the guy there getting Gato interference, doing all this, you know, being, you know, similar to what we're seeing a lot in the B block, and we'll talk about in a second. And I've liked what Jay White's done. I think there's been a, enough subtle stuff there uh, where maybe he's getting a little bit of help, but not too much help. And then you have the story now where, like, kind of the fracturing of the Bullet Club, and it's been really, really cool. I mean, Jay White's matches have been fun, and then the post match promos have been just as good because they're telling great stories back there. And, and, and I'm intrigued. I cannot wait to see how this A block final wraps up. I can't wait to see if he wins the whole G1. I can't wait to see if he gets to the final. I can't just like whatever's going to happen with Jay White. I'm I'm interested. And, and, and the thing I love the most is, you know, there was the question of, okay, where does Jay White slide in when he comes back? You know, evil's now here and he's quote unquote, you know, now, you know, near the top of the bullet club, or maybe he's the top of the bullet club or whatever. Jay White comes in and they immediately like tell you, no, this guy's here. He, he He's not slotted down. He's already a star. He's going to continue to be a star. And it just adds another st- an injection of stardom to that company, which needed it so badly uh, over the spring and, and, and over the early part of the year 
uh, with, with, you know, any of the COVID related issues. So it's been awesome. Yeah. It's been really, really fun to watch Jay White. And, and yeah, he was my big question mark. What are we going to get out of Jay White? And I think he's had a tremendous tournament, both story-wise and, and in ring wise too. I've really liked his in ring output, um, as well. He's, he's been great. And the Gato stuff has been the perfect amount of what you want out of that. Right. As opposed to evil, where to me, it's been overdone. Oh, it I sucks. Think you're gonna... It's awful. It's terrible. Oh, I thought you were going to argue with me. No, it's fucking garbage. Yeah, there, there's been there was a few matches that I liked. The the, the evil uh, Goto match from yeah, what yeah. was that last? Uh, I forget what night that was. Now was that was that evil Art? Goto was night sixteen. Sixteen, yeah, that I liked because that was done subtly enough where it wasn't overbearing. It didn't distract too much. But yeah, the other stuff is just like, dude, you don't have to do it every night. It's just exhausting. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, and and the Jay White stuff. And I think Jay is, you know, after a couple years of doing this, has has just, you know, he's just gotten better in this role, and he's he's really peaking, and he's having a great tournament, and his promos have been phenomenal, like you noted. Him and Evil have been sniping at each other. I thought that maybe they were setting up a Wrestle Kingdom match between the two, but it looks like it's going to be the final of the tournament. I mean, that's got to be the favorite heading into these final two nights, the way that the card positioning has has run out. And then there's all those rumors that, you know, it seems like other people have been hearing the same rumors of us as we have, where they might do a giant Bullet Club angle on the final night uh, with the speculation that some of the Bullet Club guys are quarantining and, and you know, are going to be the big surprise at the end of the show and there'll be some kind of angle. And so it's ironic, just as Jay White is peaking in this role, he they might be doing his turn soon. Right. Um, you know, but we'll see what happens. That could all just be rumors. It's just odd that all kinds of people have been hearing that same rumor. Um, so there might be something to it. And it would make sense with all of the – if they do do evil in Jay White, you know, there's always the possibility that Sonata can get through. I don't think Naito is going to get through. That wouldn't make much sense. But we can get into that in a minute. But, yeah, as far as um, – before we drift too far off topic, yeah, White's been good. I agree that Taichi's been excellent. He's kind of been like – he, I, I called him behind the paywall the glue guy of the A block. Yeah, oh, for sure. Because he just goes out there and has good matches with whoever he's in there with. He's been a good, solid glue guy for the A block. I think people calling him MVP and all that, they're going too far. I get it. Fans get excited. He's hes, he's not been the best guy in the block. That's lunacy. But hes he's been the glue guy of the block, and he goes out there and has a, has a good performance every night. Um. And I agreed with what you said about Cobb. I think Cobb has been much better than his last G1. And um, that's all added up to one of the uh, you know stronger blocks that we've seen in terms of you don't get a lot of matches that are downers in this block at all. You know, even Yujiro has been good for a Yujiro. Right, right. He, he still hasn't had that match where you're like, oh my God, he was a disaster. And we're eight matches in, so I don't think it's coming. Right, and if and any what I what I've noticed as well, and I think they kind of get it. it, it any match that Yujiro is in, where you think, oh, geez, this one's going to be a disaster, they keep it to like five minutes. You know what I mean? It, like the Jay White Yujiro one, you're like, oh, Jesus, I don't know about this one. This is going to be a little weird. That was you know like three and a half minutes or whatever. It was more of a story match yeah, than a match match. The, so they're being they smart. The, they did the bi yearly two guys who were in a faction. One pretends to lay down. They do that now and then. That was a story match, you know. So yeah, it's a you know, but but and the other thing is maybe because the block was so stacked with great workers that he just didn't have a chance to be bad, you know. So that that could have something to do with it too. But um, 
I, you know, so yeah, the, and Suzuki. I mean, how unheralded. Oh my god! Is this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, we 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 it took this long for us to mention him. Or I mentioned him maybe a little bit at the top. He's been amazing. He's been like, if you wanted to, if you honestly wanted to tell me, he's been your favorite guy. And maybe not the MVP, whatever that kind of. If you want to say I've enjoyed Minoru Suzuki matches the most out of anybody in the A block. You know, obviously, I can't argue with you because it's your opinion. But like, I would also be like, yeah, and I, yeah, he's right up there. <laughs> like, he's he's been tremendous. And we got Shingo coming up. Like, the next match is Shingo. And you know that's going to be good. So it's like, yeah, I think Minoru Suzuki, it's been a huge revelation. Between him and, and, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, uh, Tanahashi, like those two guys have had their working boots on way more than I thought they would. Uh, and it's led to some really, really good stuff. But yeah, Suzuki rising to the occasion too. Like this A block is, is you know, it looked on paper like it was going to be one of the more stacked blocks, you know, we've had in the G1 in, in, in quite some time. And like, it's really that way. Like I, when I watch an A block show like i'm watching the entire show i'm watching every single match everything because like every it's an embarrassment of riches you got like yeah. just a bushy you know what i mean it's like a bushy and osprey is like a match on a night and you're like yeah it was good and then you know, there's like two other good a block it's like you know what i mean like in, in prior years or it seems like in recent years like we'd have maybe one or two matches whereas these a block shows have been like you know four or five deep every single night of like stuff that there's something to sink your teeth into there's something to enjoy so you know given it's a pandemic given all this sort of stuff given the lack of crowds like i think this a block has has even overachieved what i thought they were going to do i mean i think they've been tremendous and and i forget a lot of times that we're in like a pandemic when i'm watching these a block matches because they're just they're that good and i just i zone out the crowd i don't really care that no one's cheering and no one everyone's clapping like it doesn't matter it's just i'm watching great pro wrestling for two and a half hours you know every other day so I, I, there's nothing to complain about with the a block the A block for me, every single night of the A block has had at least two notebook matches. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes three, with the exception of night fifteen where I only had one, which was Ishi Okada. But the worst quote unquote match on the show was three and a half stars. So everything else was knocking on the door, even on the one night where there was only one quote unquote you know great match, so to speak. Every other night of the tour has been at least two, sometimes three. And that was almost going to happen by accident when we've talked about some of the lower guys. But when you have when you have Tomohiro Ishii and Willow Spray and Kota Ibushi and, and Jay White and these guys and Okada for the second half at least in the same block, you're going to have great matches by accident. You, like We talked about it when we previewed the G1. It's like it was impossible for this block to have a night where the matchups just didn't work because everyone with the exception of Taichi had the ability – no, uh, Yujiro – rather had the ability to go out there and, and have a great match. So yeah, it has lived up. It's been a great block and the pleasant surprise has been, um, you know, Okada and, and this story has actually turned out to be really fucking good. I, did you watch Okada versus Shingo? Oh yeah. Yeah. What a match. So I don't know any, I don't know your take on this. What'd you think of this? So I, I saw some people that really, really liked it. Like thought it was like match of the year level, that sort of stuff. I wasn't quite there. I think I went four and a quarter with it, I want to say. So, like, I really, you know, obviously really hated it at four and a quarter. But, like, no, as far as, like, a story, like, I, I thought the, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't blow my, I, I think it's not, like, I still think Tanahashi and, and, and Naito is probably my favorite match of the G1 so far. Uh, so, who, by the way, by the way, we didn't even mention Shingo once in this book. No, that's right. Yeah, he, Shingo, also a good wrestler. He's yes. arguably been the second best guy <laughs> right. in the entire tournament. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but no, I thought I thought it was a tremendous like kind of story match, and then the in-ring was was awesome, too, because you got, you know, obviously Shingo and, and Okada going back and forth. But yeah, the, you know, and, and what helped out as well is when I got back from the trip and you kind of were like, hey, you know, watch this, watch it, you know, all these sort of things. What, what I was able to do is then just kind of binge Okada matches back to back to back to back. And I basically watched like five A-block, ma- you know, shows 
in a row as quickly as possible. And, and when you do that, you saw the progression of the story of, you know, one match, it's like, ah, I can kind of get the, the Cobra clutch on, but not really. And it's kind of doesn't really work. And okay, I, you know, I'm going to try the Rainmaker. Ah, it doesn't get like you see slowly but surely him getting better, getting better. Like you said, the, the tape comes off. And then it all kind of comes together uh, in the Shingo match. And he locks it in the middle of the ring. He tightens it up. Shingo's like, no, I'm not tapping out to this bullshit move. Like, this move's garbage and I'm not tapping out to this thing. And eventually he has to succumb to it, even though he tries like hell not to it's just a great story between those two guys but yeah i really like the match but i just didn't i didn't think it was maybe kind of like match of the year level where a lot of other people uh you know put it up on that pedestal but but that night in general that what was it night 13 or whatever i mean that is a tremendous tremendous show i know dave Meltzer called it like the best two and a half hour wrestling show you ever see which is an oddly specific way to uh reference it but like as far as g1 shows go i mean that that is that's one that that's rarefied air that we got to go back to many many years to find a night top to bottom that I think was that good uh, that had that many good matches. I mean, you got to probably go back to your 13s, your 14s when there was 10 matches on every single night or whatever to find one that had that many good matches up and down. But yeah, Shingo Nokata, I, I, I loved it. I just, I maybe didn't love it on the level that some others uh, did, but tremendous story. Well, see, I don't think the work alone would put it into match year caliber. When you combine how the story all came together in that one, he takes off the robe and there's no back tape. First thing I noticed. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be different. And then it was. He hits the picture-perfect dropkick. He got so high on that dropkick, he almost missed. Oh, it was nuts. Yeah, and one thing you can always tell with Okada, too, and, and I did note it in this match, too, and I'm glad you mentioned it. The way he takes off his coat is always very important. Like, when, when he's feeling it, when he's confident, I'm going I'm going to watch, you know, the old G1s yeah. uh, through grade one and then patreon.com slash voices of wrestling as well. And, and remembering back to, you know, the days when he was wearing the long johns because, he you know, he had broken down and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and like, you know, when he and, – and earlier in this G1, he would kind of, like, casually take the jacket off and just kind of, like, put it off to the side or whatever. And when that happens, it's like – it's like, you know, Naito in the T-shirt or, you know, those guys, like, we always say, or, you know, those you – know, you're like, ah, he's not giving full effort. This He rips that jacket off this time. He's ready to fucking go. No tape. Yeah, no tape. And it's like the picture-perfect dropkick. The tombstone was with no struggle. Because that's another thing throughout the tournament, the struggle to get the guy into the tombstone position, right? That was always a thing. And then the teases. He teased the -the over-the-rail on-the-floor dive that he does, but he didn't do it. The two Rainmaker teases, including the the wrist clutch tease at the end, which I know you have, you popped for. Oh, that yeah. Oh, pop? yeah, uh, definitely. And then instead, he, you know, he slaps on the final money clip. And the way that Shingo sold the money clip with the eyes bugging out of his head, and he went to pull Okada's hair, and Red Shoe slapped his hand away, right? And then he, like, started doing, like, those rabbit, those weak rabbit punches to Okada. Sheer, I mean, how good was Shingo in the last 30 <laughs> seconds great. of this match? I mean that the guy is just he's he's an all time great and I think people more people need to recognize it and say it and not be ashamed to say yeah, it. Yeah, and he's always he's always and that's the thing too. It's just, it's not even a recent thing. Like people that have been watching Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate USA, all those sort of things. He's so good at like the facials, the subtlety. That's what's that's that's the reason. Some people you know like people think that everybody just likes Shingo because he throws really good clotheslines or does funny moves or whatever. And that that stuff's great. Like that stuff's incredible. He's an incredible in ring wrestler. The the t- intensity is in the next level. The moves are are awesome. Execution yeah, is execution is always impeccable. The, you know, but it to me. It's it, it's that a lot of guys can do that, but n- very few people can can just hook you 
like Shingo can. And that's the thing that always attracts me to Shingo. When I first started watching Dragon Gate, when I first got into Japanese pro wrestling, like, how do you you understand the story with this guy? You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter what match it is, who he's against, whatever, you get it. He lets you know the story. Like, he's, his facials are so good. His little the, the little things, he excels at so much. He's so You're absolutely right. All-time great. And I, I'm not ashamed of doing this. I would say, we've been talking about this as long as this show's existed. And this show's been around for a long goddamn time. We've been talking about how great Shingo is. That's, that makes you an all-time fucking great. You know? <laughs> we're, we're close to a decade here of talking about how great this guy was and he was great three or four years before he even started this show it's like yeah all-time great but but you talk about that moment like just the little things of the bug-eyed you know slapping the, the hand away uh trying to reach the, the hair reaching at red shoes to not let him get to the ropes these little things that a lot of people would just let go a lot of people just wouldn't do where those little things it's just a little, tiny little thing but it's some of those little things that just makes wrestling so much better it makes that you know the great wrestlers really stand out over over either the mediocre ones or the ones that just aren't that Next level all-time great like Shingo is. In Osaka. Note the building that they were Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even think of that. In Osaka, on top of everything else. Okay, where they badly wanted him to get out of that hold. And, um, you know, that was where, that was the match where Okada chose to turn the story up another notch. And then he's pretty much been close to himself ever since. He's just holding out on that Rainmaker. Um, but they, you know, and, and the, he, he beat, you said you watched all the matches in succession. He beat Taichi. He beat Minoru Suzuki and Taichi with the straight drop down pin that he beat Omega with in the best of three falls match for one of the falls. And he beat Jericho with at Dominion. Okay. And then he beats these two guys, uh, Suzuki and Taichi with that move in the lead up to this match with Shingo. And then when they did that spot. It, when he did that spot in the shingle match in Osaka, Rich, I bought it. I bought it. I've been watching wrestling for 35 years, and I bought this fucking spot <laughs> because I got wrapped up in the match. And that's because, you know, I, I don't think he learned from Tanahashi, and I don't think we give this guy enough credit. He's a brilliant worker. And I think this tournament has hammered that home because he worked people. He worked the world in this tournament. In the hardest way possible, he made people think he was finished. He convinced Smarks that he was finished. He had Dave Meltzer going on audio every night saying, ah, he's hurting. His back is hurting. He fooled everyone. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's what pro wrestling is. Yeah, this guy. He, and you're absolutely right that the comp to Tanahashi is tremendous as well. Because how many years have we gone on this show and said, guys, I don't think Tanahashi's bicep is actually torn. And I, my proof is that Zack Sabre Jr. just ripped his, his bicep for 25 minutes straight, you know, in a, in a match or whatever. But people say, oh, no, no, no. He tweeted it out or he, you can tell that the way he's working. And it's like, that's, I, I love it. Like, it's brilliant because that's pro wrestling, like you said. He came into this tournament. After the Abushi match and Taichi match with uh, uh, Yujiro, not Taichi, with people thinking he was finished, he was done. The speculation is he over? Is he, you know people didn't want to watch the matches anymore? He just he's physically shot, and he's leaving this tournament. Rich, he might be the fucking MVP of the tournament. I mean, I don't know if he'll get all the way there, and I don't like the match positioning going third from the top. Uh, that'll hurt because I don't think the block is ultimately going to be about him. It's going to be about Jay White. But I mean, his, as, as, you know, that, Rich, this is the definition of 
pro of work yeah. in pro wrestling. He's literally <laughs> pretending, <working> yeah, <laughs> working people or you know lying to the public whether it's an injury, faking an injury, faking whatever. But yeah, hooking people into your story by faking that something is happening when it's really not actually happening is is, is pro wrestling, believe it or not. But yeah, people like you said, I think you tweeted it out that people think that they're really smart and always think that they and, and that's rightfully so. Like wrestling fans, you know, that, that's especially you know people that listen to the show or, or, or go to our website or whatever. We attract a very intelligent wrestling fan, and they you know they always have it figured out oh this is what's happening that's why that's happening all this sort of stuff and yet here we are like you know people saying okada oh geez this guy's done this guy's toast this guy's garbage you know all that sort of stuff and it's like yeah it, it, you know he's that good of a worker and, and he's done this not necessarily this exact story but he's done these sort of things a lot and i don't know why people are kind of surprised when he does it again and and i think he's a guy who generally like he realizes that he's you know whatever 31 32 or whatever and has done a lot in wrestling so he comes up with these little micro stories for himself these year long stories these half year stories to entertain himself so whether it's hey i'm pissed off and depressed that you know i didn't win the title so uh, you, you know i i'm i'm doing it about the grade one right now like he he goes to the tokyo dome where he's going to beat tanahashi to win the title and he loses and that's the you know the famous where he's crying, he's 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 bawling his eyes out. Well, then the next month he you know loses to Bad Luck Fale, and he's on a, he's on a losing streak. It's like ah oh, fuck, what do I do now? Like now I even lost to Bad Luck Fale, and then he gets it back together slowly but surely, works his way out through the G one, all sort of stuff, yada yada yada. And and there was the, the you know the pants thing a few years ago too, where the same sort of thing happens. He kind of breaks down mentally, and it wasn't that he was bad on purpose. It was just that he was weird on purpose. It's like what the hell's wrong with this guy? It's like is he just going to decide to wear pants now all of a sudden? Like why is he doing this? And then he, you know he, he comes out on Tokyo Dome, takes that robe off, he's wearing the, the shorts. People go nuts, and then he you know has a tremendous match and wins. And it's just like yeah, this is what this guy kind of has to do to interest himself. But that's what wrestling is. Like I'm glad that's awesome. You know, tell those stories, tell stories. You know, give a narrative, do that sort of stuff, have fun with it. You know, no problem whatsoever uh, with the way he's gone about this. So, um, isn't the name of the game manipulating emotion? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so, okay, so try to follow. It used to be. I thought. I think. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what wrestling is anymore. When we talk about the collective, I can admit that I don't know anymore. Really, I guess. But I like great matches as much as the next guy. Obviously, we're we we are great match whores. That's what we are. We've always been that on this show. We run a match in your poll. That's like what the site is known for. Okay, so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I don't love great matches. But at the same time, I don't think there's any other way to analyze this guy's tournament except for his work has been fucking phenomenal. Because he 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 achieved the objective he set out to. He made everybody think he was terrible. This guy, you know, he 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 convinced the world that he didn't have it anymore because that was the story. And he, he legitimately fooled everyone and made them believe that that was the case. And isn't that the definition of a great worker and great work? But it's like nobody, myself included, will put that on the same level as like Ishii just going out there and having great matches every night. But isn't it in some ways uh, – uh, more admirable to achieve great work in the way that Okada has done. Yeah. This oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, especially now, especially in 2020, where you know, and, and well, maybe not this year specifically, but but in this generation of wrestling, we're like we're seeing great matches all the time. Like the high level work, the work that we talk about, the matches that we talk about, like that's just commonplace. That that that's pretty normal. Uh, most wrestlers these days, you know, the upper half of wrestlers these days can all go out there and have a great. 20 to 30 minute match a tremendous match kick out of a bunch of stuff get you going nuts have you chatting this is awesome like a lot of guys can do that that people figured that out like the, the athletes are better today there's better work ethic that sort of stuff is easy to do now it's actually 
it, it, it's very interesting, and we'll talk about it again, uh, of course, when we talk about the collective. But like you always say, like the new work is the old work, and and that's kind of that's to me something is. I really love now is like, look, you're gonna break the mold instead of going out there and and Okada could have went out there and had seven really good solid four star matches. You know what I mean? He could have just done that, did his normal shit. And it would have been fine. And we would all have said, yeah, Okada had a great tournament. You know, he's always good. He's Okada. He's, he's good. But, like, he decided, yeah, you know what? I'm going to have some fun here. I'm going I'm to create this story. I'm going to work this narrative and weave this narrative in. And, and like, especially in this A block, too, it really stands out because it's like this A block was filled with great matches. So it's like you can do this. You can have a little fun and tell this story. And, dude, I'll take – take... Or it's leading to a big picture story, with a, which is what I think it is. Right, I mean, it's right. Not even necessarily, it's not even necessarily him just out there fucking off because he can't. You know, this could be leading to something. Remember, he could win the block. Right, right, right. You know, so it's like there's there's that aspect to it too. And here's the other thing. If he just went out there and had nine great matches, are we spending 20 minutes talking about No, God, about no, it? no. So it's like, um, you know, that's why I say it, it's it's just uh, we've come so far from the last time we talked about this. But I, I think his work has been incredible in this tournament. And, and um, it's to be admired. And you nailed it with the new work is the old work. And that. You know, that's something I say all the time when these kind of things happen. You have to find new ways to work people because we because everyone thinks that they're so smart now and we all think we're so smart and none of us want to be worked. That's the other problem with with wrestling fans, the type that listen to this show and people like me and you. We don't want to be worked. And one of my things lately in the last couple of months has been just let yourself be worked, you know, because a story like this. And what's funny is. Hiroki Goto then did the same thing in this tournament for two straight nights. <laughs> it's, it's, and so Goto. it's so Goto. It's so Goto, by the way. <laughs> is, you know, that not the perfect Goto thing? is that not yeah. the perfect Goto thing? Is say, that's a cool story. I'm going to do that. And it's like, no, we're already doing it, man. And someone else is already doing it better than you. Like, no, I'm going to do it. Like, okay, fine, whatever. Like, but everyone was convinced his shoulder was shot, right. you know, because he had Yano and someone else. So he did it in back to back matches. And then he comes out and has that fucking killer match with, uh, who was it on um, uh, who was um, the Tanahashi match? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, what the fuck? His shoulder was never hurt. He went out there and <laughs> he's doing you know, Tanahashi's like doing fucking arm bars and trying to rip his shoulder off. Like, you know, it's like they got us again. They got us twice in the same fucking tournament because we all think we're smart, but we're not. And we forget sometimes that these are professional con men. These are professional con men. This is what they do. Yeah, professional liars. Athletic professional liars. So, <laughs> Yeah, and they can't get us anymore with traditional pro wrestling stories because, you know, we're all too fucking smart. So what did they do? The new work is the old work. They've now convinced us. Uh, they, they do it in other ways. You know, with they have to make it uh, – the works have to be more realistic in their, in, 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 in their base. Like, oh, well, this guy, you know, he's got a lot of tread on the tires and he's got a bad back. And I, you know, that's the new work. It's the old words. It's how it used to be. And and it works. And to me, that's uh, been one of the, the, the overriding themes of the A block, just how great Okada has been. So. All right. Do you want to talk? Uh, let's 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 preview these. Uh, so these are the final matches. This is the order uh, of the A block final. As we said, this is going yeah. on October 16th from Sumo Hall, all three nights uh, from Sumo Hall. Uh, the match order, always very important for these things. So we'll talk about the, the matches, and then we'll kind of go back and, and, and discuss which ones are important, who's still in the mix, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Yota Suji, Gabriel Kidd is your opener, which, by the way, and, and I guess we should mention this as well, I am all in on these Young Lion things being the openers. If forever, I know we're never, I know it's going to go back. 
if yeah. next year everything is fine, we're going to go back to the multi-man tags yeah. and the three-and-a-half-hour shows or whatever. Don't but want them. Don't want them ever again. Give me – Young Lions go out there for 10 minutes, kick ass. They go away, G1, two-and-a-half hours, in and out, let's go. Like, I, I am – I so advocate for less wrestling these days. <laughs> There's so much going on. There's so much content. We don't need – another hour and a half of boring multi-man matches that, that usually by midway through the tournament, I decide to skip and people say, Oh, you can't skip it. There's this little story. And it's, I, I just don't have the time. I just don't want to do this. It's so. like, okay, I get it. Goto is wrestling Tanahashi next. And they're going to have a pull apart. Right. Like, oh. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really like deep stories. Like people say, Oh, you can't skip them because they're telling, you know, they're, they're previewing the next night. It's always the same thing. It's always like guy getting the ring together. They do a few moves and then, you know, end of the match, they're pointing at each other and pulling each other apart. And, you know, Kevin Kelly goes, Oh, Rook Goto will get his chance at revenge and Hiromu Tanahashi tomorrow yeah. on the G1. It's like, all right, great. I get it. I got Suzuki, it. Suzuki and Ishii choking each other on the outside. <laughs> right, right. Like, it's, it's fine. It's fine, but it's the same shit. I don't need it. This I want. I want 10 minutes of Young Lions going out there and kicking ass, which this has been awesome. I love the Young Lions stuff. And then, boom, let's get five G1 matches. We're in and out in two and a half hours. It's perfect. More of this, please. And people are having fun with this little C-block gimmick. You know, they're keeping track of the points. I'm doing it behind the paywall every night. Kevin Kelly's talking about it. Um, they're definitely booking it to fuck with us because they've been within like two points of each other. Yeah. For the oh, entire no, no. for thing. sure. For sure. So, you know, it's so much better. My God, these shows are so much. They're neat. They're tidy. You don't turn it on and see a three hour and 49 minute runtime and just roll your eyes and go, oh, fuck my life. You know what I mean? They're all like you're saying. They're like two, two hours, and 20 minutes. You're like, fuck, I can do this. You know, skip the intermission. You're really in business. So, yeah, total agreement. Uh, so the first night of A Block Final, we got Yotosuji and Gabriel Kidd. Where, where does that line up in the C Block uh, standings? I have not been following the C Block. I, I, I can't say definitively okay. the scoring of it. But where, where, how, what are the implications of this Yotosuji-Gabriel Kidd match? Suji's in first with 12 points. Uamura has 11 and Kidd has 9. So we're on the back end of the – there's only two matches left that we know of because – there's no card at all announced for, for the final night, of course. And we don't know if the Young Lions are going to wrestle on the final night. So we've got Suji and Kid on the 16th, on night 17. And then on night 18, it's – you have that in front of you? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, that, that's Yuya Yurimura and Gabriel Kidd. So Gabriel Kidd has two chances here to get, down, yeah, get on the board. So That means everyone's still alive. So because if Suji beats Kid, he goes to 14 and nobody can catch him. So – Suji can win it on night 17. We all know kids winning that match to go to 11. And then it'll come down to Uemura and Kid tied at 11. If they draw, <laughs> it's a three-way tie. <laughs> or the winner wins the, the fake block. So here's what I think. I think Kid's going to beat Suji, and then I think Uemura and Kid are going to draw. And they're all going to finish with 12. What do you think of that? It seems perfect. Yeah, it seems like uh, Gabriel Kid doing it back-to-back nights with us not knowing what's on the final. Uh, I like that. That's a pretty cool story. I think that's a good way to go, too, because I think all these guys are kind of on equal footing right now. I, I don't want to say that any one is really kind of, uh, you know, in, in terms of booking-wise. Like, I think Uomura is, like, better than all of them, because I think Uomura is fucking incredible. Uh, but, you know, in terms of, like, where they are pushed-wise and where they are kind of ready to graduate-wise, it feels like all three are kind of on the same level. So I like the idea that they go through all this grueling 18 nights or whatever, and then they just fucking tie. Like, I kind of I, I kinda like that. They all just, you know, get in the ring and bow or whatever if they really wanted to, or Kevin Kelly can just say, oh, my God, it's a tie. Or you know, I think that's a good way to do it. It's a nice little nod to the people that have been paying attention. Because if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't know, but those who are paying attention, it's a nice, cool thing. It's like, ah, oh, that's cool. They all kind of tied. So I, I like that if they do that. Yeah, that's what I feel like they're going to do. But um... 
Yeah, and they're all going to have the same amount of matches at the end of it. Again, unless they do a match on night 19. So who knows? Uh, and then our, as far as our block matches here, we have Jeff Cobb and Yujiro. This match has no implications, or does it? Does it? This is the interesting yeah. part now, because you got two eliminated guys. What could they possibly have to do with this? How can they possibly be in the mix? It's Jeff Cobb and Yujiro. How are they possibly? It is, Joe, can, can you make sense of this convoluted scenario that allows Jeff Cobb and Yujiro to be a very important match? Well, I'm not going to go through it all, but people can, if they want to go through the whole thing, just look on Chris Charlton's Twitter feed. He went through it all the other day. But basically, for Willow Spray, there's to also go a through, post by uh, yours truly on voicearrested.com as well that also does it. So. Oh, there you go, too. So um, we got it on our own site. Fuck Chris Charlton. Um, <laughs> that's what Rich says. Rich says. Yeah, I've always, yeah. You know, Chris knows that I absolutely despise him. So The nicest guy. I don't know why well, you. You blew him, him off. No, I, I, I like Chris. You blew him off, though. Rich texted me. He said, fuck Chris Charlton. It's on our <laughs> site. So I don't know. Um, he was always been nice to me. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the hostility, but, um, yeah. So, <coughs> ah, my one cough per show people behind the paywall. know full well, I get the one cough per show. Um, what was I talking about now? Uh, the, the convoluted, uh, Cobb Udro and how that might play a factor into the. the oh yeah. Decision. So we'll, it's not going, by the way, it's not going to full disclosure. It's, it's not, not going to happen, but it's just fun to, to talk about it. So Willow spray needs to win. And then have Abushi and Jay White lose and then force a wacky multi-person tie scenario where it goes so far deep into the tiebreakers that the results of Jeff Cobb and and Taichi matter. So basically, Yujiro has to beat Jeff Cobb. So that match isn't entirely meaningless. That's basically the gist of it. But, uh, Rich, go ahead and plug wherever we have it. Yeah, yeah, voiceofwrestling.com. And this is from uh, our, our, our friend Thomas Fishbeck, who obviously is, is, is a contributor to the website. Big uh, Tom well. Fishy. Yeah, Big that's your boy Tom right there. So I'm, I'm going to read exactly what he said, so if people can kind of make sense of this. So you ready here? This is from Big Tom yeah. Fishy. All right. He says, quote, If Cobb beats Yujiro, Cobb and Taichi are on 10 points. All three wrestlers involved in the tie will have a one-to-one record against Cobb and Taichi. It would then to the next. It would go to the next level, eight points, which would be Ishii and the winner of Suzuki versus Shingo. If Suzuki wins, Osprey and Ishii will be two and zero against the two on eight. White will be one and one. Abushi beat Osprey, so Abushi advances. If Shingo, yada yada, whatever. Yeah, I have to read the whole thing. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's insanely convoluted. If you want to go to the website, you can you can read it. But but essentially, yeah. If 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 Cobb beats Yujiro, then it, and 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 Will gets all his things to work out. It creates some ungodly, ridiculous tie. That, Actually, that eventually... Udrow, Udrow, Udrow has to be Cobb. Oh, that's right. That's right. Udrow has to be Cobb. Here's the thing. The bottom line is this. A lot of people thought Will Ospreay was eliminated when he lost to Cobb, but he's not. He could not be eliminated on that night. In fact, if you go to New Japan's website right now, uh, New Japan yep. uh, says that Will Ospreay is alive. So he's, he's not out. I don't know why people think that. He's still alive. Um, this scenario, look, he's not winning the block, but he's alive. And New Japan acknowledges that he's alive. So um, even with the 10 points being behind the other three, there is an inside straight for Willow Spray to win the block. Right. It's it's, it's not easy. <laughs> There's a lot of things that have to happen. But, uh, yeah, he, he is not officially eliminated. Um, 
so that that's a, a match that you know at least you know, kind of semi keep your eye on, but but probably not. <laughs> so it's probably Cobb will probably beat Yujiro, and then just we'll move on to the next you know or the rest of our lives after that. So uh, Shingo and Minoru Suzuki, I believe this has no implications other than maybe future title matches, maybe just a big you know a big spot for Shingo Takagi, maybe the way for him to get up to eight points. Like there's a lot of stuff that can happen with it, but yeah, I don't think it's gonna have any bearing obviously on it's meaningless. Hundred uh, percent meaningless, 100% it's meaningless in terms of like who wins the block. So just go out there and have some fun, Shingo and Minoru. It's- it's the two so. guys. Feu- it's the two guys feuding over the never title. Is what it is. Exactly. So yeah, future title shot, future title match, whatever is, is probably what you're going to get there. So uh, Okada and Osprey. And again, this one does have a lot of implications because yeah, the idea was okay. Why did Osprey lose to you know Cobb the other night? Well, a why he had to lose is because like if they didn't have him lose, then he had a real shot at winning the entire thing. Uh, and I think yeah. they realized, wait a minute, we don't want to have like Osprey be in the in the you know in the driver's seat here uh, to win this thing. And 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 so that's you know obviously what what causes the Cobb uh, win. Uh, to happen there, but yeah, Okada obviously his path is it's pretty simple. He he wins, simple. yeah, he wins or draws, and, and White Nabushi lose, and he's through. So he yeah, kind of controls his destiny. So. He needs to win and then peek through the curtain and hope the other two guys with twelve lose. That's it, because they both beat him, so he doesn't have the tiebreaker against either one of them. I have a theory on why Osprey lost the cop. Yeah, what what do you got? And, because it's a it's one of the more puzzling G1 booking decisions I've ever seen. Why would Cobb beat Will Ospreay when they could have had a scenario with four guys with 12 and had everybody, you know, deeper in the mix? It, it, there's a red flag there. Why do you do that result? It, it did not make sense. This is what I've come up with. I think Jay White is winning the block. But I think they want Will Ospreay to beat Okada. Oh, no, no, for sure. I, th- I think but, that's absolutely what the plan is. So here's the thing. But if Willow Spray came into the night with 12 points, there's no way for him to beat Okada and for Jay White to win the block. Right. And that's, I kind of alluded to that. Maybe I didn't explain it well enough. It's like, yeah, if you have him up there at 12 points, they kind of fucked around and he's actually like the block leader. And then, you know, if you want to tell the story where he beats Okada and Okada loses or whatever, you can't because then he wins the block. So, well, you could still have him lose to Okada to knock him out. But here's the thing. If they were just planning on having him lose to Okada to get knocked out, then he didn't need to lose to Cobb. Yeah, exactly. And, he would have won. He would have won. And the Cobb loss otherwise doesn't make any other sense any other for any other reason. So I think that's a tip-off that Ospreay might be beating Okada. Yeah, I think so too. And, and a lot of people will listen to this after the match happens, and we might look stupid. But otherwise, I cannot figure out any viable reason why Jeff Cobb would have lost that match. I think Ospreay had to come into the night with 10 to ensure that White wins the block and Ospreay beats Okada and it, it, while White can, still has the ability to win the block. Because White could not win the block right. if Okada came in with 12 and beat and, – and if Ospreay came in with 12 and beat Okada. And I think the idea is for White to win the block. So I think in order for both of those things to occur, they had to have Ospreay lose to Cobb. Because, Rich, otherwise, what the fuck is the point of him losing to Jeff Cobb? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, if, if he ends up losing to uh, uh, Okada and Okada wins, it, it'll definitely be um, – yeah, it'll definitely well, be a head scratcher. It wouldn't matter. Yeah, because then it doesn't matter. Like, Will could come in with 12 if Okada was going to win it. That doesn't matter because Okada could just beat him. And then Okada has 14. And then the other two guys lose. So that's why I'm saying, like, the loss to Cobb, the only thing it could possibly signal – is that Osprey's beating Okada? You know, if Jay White's going to be the winner, so I don't know. That, that was puzzling to me, and that's and the only other scenario would be all right. Well, maybe they're setting up Cobb challenging for the Rev Pro title, 
But doesn't that seem like, I don't know, are they going to do that to set up a title match for someone else's belt? I, yeah, I, I don't think. I think it was just a way to get out of of, of having Osprey be in that mix there and, and to have him still, you know, it takes that loss and then beats Okada. But I, so, I don't know, like it, to me, it almost strikes me as like they may be. I don't want to. Usually they don't do this. Usually they're pretty locked up. They pretty much understand everything that's going on or whatever. I, I kind of get the feeling with that match that they maybe looked at it and said, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Like Osprey might win this thing if we don't have him lose here. So we have to because it did seem completely out of nowhere. And but it's it just that's not usually how they do things. No, no. So I think it was, think it was well planned out. I just think um, if if the goal is to have both of those things occur, you had to have Osprey come in with ten. Right. With but you do wonder if he could have taken that loss somewhere else. You know what I mean? But I guess that's fine. You do, but 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 here's what they also accomplished. The Cobb loss didn't even knock him out. So you kind of win on all ends. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. They're still telling you he's alive. Right? You still get that match. But it's like, it's just, it, it, there's a red flag there. Right, and so, I think the other thing too is Cobb's not a dork to them. You know what I mean? No. Like, I think they, they think that Jeff Cobb is an important part of their their future more important than a lot of fans give the give it credit yeah. for. But here's the only thing that gives me pause: Do you really want Willow Spray getting that first win over Okada, third from the top on the show? I don't. I don't love it. Yeah, because he's zero four already with them. They've told a really good story that he's kind of the understudy. I hate the idea that they're third from the top on this this show because now it just lets me know. Okay, a you're right. I, I don't, I don't love it. it. It just feels kind of icky. That feels like a main event. That feels like you can, you can let that settle and let that simmer for another six months for another year or whatever, and have that main event a show or, or have that be a bigger deal than just kind of thrown together um, third from the top on, on a, on a G one final world be completely overshadowed by, you know, who wins the block. So uh, I'm with you. I, I, I don't love it. And that's again, not something they usually do is throw away matches like that. So I, I don't know. It's, it, it's strange. Yeah, so it's like I, I don't I don't know if they would do that big win third from the top, but it is a G one final. It is a G one block final. It is Sumo Hall. It's not like it's a small. Sh- it's not like they're doing this at, at Destruction and Bipu. Right, right, okay? right. It's third from the top on a really big show, but I still feel like that big win should be a main event. And what's probably going to happen is Okaja is going to go out there and beat him anyway, and it's going to be like, well, what the fuck did Jeff Cobb beat him for? It doesn't make sense because you could have just had him beat Cobb and then get eliminated by Okada. So. I don't know. We'll see. But I've been fascinated with this Jeff Cobb win over. I've been talking about it for four days. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an interesting I one. I can't get sure. enough of this. It's fa- it's fascinating to me. But uh, anyway. I will also recommend as well. There's another article. We'll probably uh, re- reference it throughout the night uh, as well. Uh, Jay Michael, who I know is in the chat right now listening, uh, did a, a really cool uh, story that's up at VoicesWrestling.com right now, looking at historical final nights uh, of blocks and 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 where things usually play out and where these you know wild scenarios we come up with, how often these things actually happen, and, and how often it's just like the guys who come in, they just you know who's ever in the final. We always say it like it sucks when we know the final match orders because it's like. The guys who come in, they win and they move on. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's pretty much that's how it goes a lot of the years. But there's some fun stuff here and there. There are some some interesting oddities throughout the the, the history of these G1 finals uh, nights. But uh, yeah, the, the the more obvious thing is is yeah, whatever matches finals is, is probably going to play the biggest part uh, in in you know the guys moving forward. But we'll talk about it anyway. It's at least fun. Well, that's why. That's why Jay White's the big favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let, let's move on to the next match here. We got Kota Bushi and Taichi. 
those guys, obviously, Taichi is out of the mix, but Kotobushi is still in the mix. Uh, he needs a win, and White needs to lose, and then Ibushi moves forward. And it's pretty interesting that, like, literally zero people on Earth have picked <laughs> Kotobushi to win this thing. Nobody has any faith that he's going to win it, and, and I'm not going to tell you that I have any faith that he's going to win it, but it just it, it's so funny given that, like, his story would be so simple. He just needs to win and move forward, but people are just not even... You know, more people have a, are, are, are you would expect a weird Osprey thing to happen than Kotobushi just to win and move forward. And uh, do you kind of fit in that category as well? Do you have any oh, percent I, chance I think, that he's moving on? No, I think Willis. I think Abushi is clearly my number four pick. I mean, I think Jay White is like ninety percent at this point based on the match order and the stories they're telling. Okada would be second. I'd even put Osprey ahead of Abushi. I think, I think Osprey beating Okada and then having everything else fall into place and winning the block is more likely than Abushi winning the block for the for the third year in a row going to a final. There's just no point in, in that story right now. You know, and Will Ospreay with the character that he's doing, this cocky like asshole thing, is the perfect guy to quote unquote not back in because he has to win to get in, but to kind of win without being in the ring in the final match. I don't think they would advance Okada peeking through the curtain. I, I think Rich, can you picture like Tomohiro Ishii beating beating Jay White, and then they kind of like, all right, well, get out of the ring, Ishii. Get out of the ring, Stone Pitbull, because Okada has to come out and give a speech now because he won an hour ago, and he's your – but they're not doing that. If Okada was going to win the block, he'd be in the main event. You know what I mean? So that's why I say it's going to be Jay White. It's gonna The night is going to go exactly how a lot of these block finals go. Each match progressively eliminates the guy before, and then Jay White – is in the win and he's in scenario. He wins the final against Ishii. And Ishii is a perfect opponent to take Jay White to the limit and get Sumo Hall behind him and then lose. You're right. So I think it's going to be Jay White. Yeah, I do too. And, and, and I guess that gets to our final match there again, Jay White and, and Tomaru Ishii. Ishii goes in without anything to, to, to fight for, which is actually interesting that, uh, and again, Jay Michael wrote about that in, uh, in the article, that uh, only Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Minoru Suzuki both in 2014 uh, went into the block final match mathematically eliminated before the final yeah. night even began. So that's it's a rare thing that where one of the guys has nothing to fight for except for pride. And and what better person to do that than Tomori Ishii? You know what I mean? Like how that Sumo Hall, A, it's like beat Jay White, don't let him go through, and God damn it, it's Tomori Ishii, and we'd love for him to win in front of Sumo Hall type thing. So that's really cool. It's a really cool story. I like that they're doing it. But like you said, it kind of tips off to me that like there's no – I mean, it's it's so obvious to me that Jay White is moving forward with this thing. It's just it, yeah. to me that I might be wrong. People listening to this might say, "Oh, you idiots! I can't believe you." Th-. But like to me, it, it it's it just it perfectly fits with the way they're doing it, the way they're pushing him, the way the story's going on. I don't know if he's going to win the G one. I don't know if he goes on to Wrestle Kingdom, but I, I think that it's pretty clear to me that Osprey beats Okada, Taichi beats Abushi to kind of keep that thing going because they you know they feuded all year with with the tag belts, and then it just comes down to Ishii trying to win it for Sumo Hall, win it to keep Jay White out of there, but Jay White wins or. And people have brought it up as well that the big ang- there could be a big angle too that we don't know about. There were they turn on it. Yeah, I, I don't know who the hell knows uh, what the hell is going to go on. Whether that happens on this night or if it happens on the actual finals, who knows? I mean, th- this is why I say the A block is so intriguing because at least there is a little bit of thought and a little bit of interest in, in, in who you know is going to move forward. Even if I do still think it's probably going to be Jay White, but even then, it, you got to kind of think of stories that are going to play off that and branch off of that. So uh, I- I'm excited. Definitely. You could do the Bullet Club angle the night before, I guess, but uh, doesn't it make more sense to do it against Evil? Right? So, yeah. So, I mean, I, rather than do it against Ishii? Yeah, I would agree. And and do you want to put Kazuchika Okada through as a block winner based on 
a giant angle that cost somebody a mat. Right, Again, that's, right, right. that's a weird story to me. Now, if it were Goto or something, yeah. You know, and like I'm saying, if it's Osprey with this inside straight, sure. Okada, though, I don't buy it. They're not going to put Okada through in that manner. If Okada was going through, he'd be in that main event, and he'd be busting out the Rainmaker to beat Osprey, and that would be that. So I don't think they put him through from the top if they're putting him through. But let's get to the B block. All right, let's talk B block. So uh, overall thoughts on the B block before we kind of get into uh, the actual matches themselves. Um, eh, there's been there's been some stuff I've really really liked, like Tanahashi and Naito. Like I said, one of my favorite matches of, of the entire G1, maybe my favorite of the entire G1. I think Goto's had a, a pretty good tournament, like you said, when he wasn't faking his shoulder injury. But then yeah, the match with Tanahashi w- was good, and I enjoyed Goto and Evil more than I thought I would. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. I thought's been pretty good. Kent has been hit or miss. Yoshihashi, I guess, has been better than I expected. He's been a pretty, you know, good participant, but there's just been so much muck and so much that I'm just not loving. I, I mean, Evil, I think, has just been by and large pretty terrible. And I, I really want to because I think this guy might go through and this guy might be in the G1 final, and I think it's worth talking about. Is Sonata ever going to happen, or is this just what he is? Because he's. I mean, this would be this would be the worst. G1 performance for a G1 winner ever if right, he wins the right. tournament. That's what I mean. I mean I'm, I'm so worried about it. Like, I would almost I almost fucking call an audible and say, nah, <laughs> bro, you've had a month to prove that you deserve this, that you want this, that you belong, that you... And it's just sleepwalking. It's just like, god damn, like, what are we doing? <laughs> it just sucks. It's not bad. It's just not good. You know what I mean? It, it, it's 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 less bad than it is just not good. And and and, and everyone's kind of looking at him, and, and he's a popular pick, and I get it. And, and obviously the, the match structure uh, of this final night lets you know that he's a popular pick to move on and go to the final, and, and whether it's him or evil or whatever. But, like, dude, we need something more. Let's get some juice. Let's get some energy. It's the G1. Let's go, man. Come on. You're just not yeah, having twenty five minute matches, dude. It's come on, let's go. No, he hasn't been good. Um, his best match was against Tanahashi. That was also oh, his that's best real fucking hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> like you know what I mean. <laughs> and they always have good matches, right? Because he's know, one he, of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, it's one of the guy. I think it's the guy he probably has the best chemistry with. And um, but otherwise, he's just yeah, he's been a bore. He's not been good, and it's scary that he might go to the final and might win. Um, evil is what he is. I mean, look. It's it's been as bad as we feared with evil. I mean, most of the interference with Togo is just egregiously bad with no effort or thought put into it. No creativity. I mean, there's a couple matches where go where Togo has just jumped into the ring in full view of a ref yeah. who isn't mm-hmm. even distracted. Yeah, which sucks. That shit sucks. Like, come on. And it's like the ref, there's no ref bump. There's no ref distraction. Togo just jumps in the ring. And it's like, at that point, you're not like, you know, it just a, it's a total loss of suspension of disbelief. And it just... So the evil stuff has been just as bad as we all feared. Um, now I think he's going to win the block and and face White, and they're going to do whatever big angle they're going to do. I think you know that's what's going to happen. Um, I won't be excited about Evil versus Jay White. How can you be? I'll be excited about whatever's going to happen at the end of the match. You know, I'll be checking out, looking at my wrist. I don't even wear a watch, <laughs> but still, hypothetically, yeah. Looking at my wrist, waiting for okay in about twenty minutes. I'll be interested in what's going to happen because the match itself isn't going to be any good. Um, with because the, to- the Togo stuff ruins everything. Um, so, I mean, and the B block as a whole. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's been the same shit every night. It's just hasn't been very good. And and you know, it's uh, evil with his bullshit and Sonata sleepwalking through his matches. And 
Um, Juice has not been good. No, Juice has Kent- stunk too, and he he's usually delivered a lot better on G ones. This was this has been really bad. Kenta has not been good. Um, Yoshihashi has been good. A lot of effort. One of the better people in the block, honestly. Zack Sabre Jr. has been okay, but his stuff doesn't always land with me. Uh, Naito works hard every night, but all his matches have been identical. He goes 26, 27 minutes, and then we get a sloppy Destino counter sequence, and then the match ends. Um, You know, and it's like he's had a bunch of really good matches, but nothing great outside of the Tanahashi match. Um, You know, Goto's Goto. You know, Yano stinks. You know, it hasn't been a great block. No, it sucked. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's been a chore to get through a lot of the B-blocks uh, nights. You know, and if you want to go statistically, I mean, you know, if you want to use cage match since the format change to the to the 19 nights and the alternating blocks, this year's B-block has been the worst rated block in the history of the G1 since the format change. Only one show with a seven or better rating. And every other show has been below seven. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with it, really. Honestly, I can't argue it either. There's been, no, yeah, none of the, and that's the thing. They're all like in the sixes, and that's fair because they've all been like shows that are fine. They're not bad shows, but they're not good either. They're just there. And you know, one show dipped below a six, night fourteen, with a five point seven one. Every other show, as we record this, you know, between you know, in the six, and it's that's unprecedented for a G one. Um. I talked about this the other night behind the paywall. The 2017 tournament, there were five such shows below seven. 2018, six. 2019, four shows below a seven. This year's B block has seven shows alone, just in the B block, below uh, a seven rating. So this is a historically, I don't want to use the word bad, but not good block in the G1. I mean, G1s usually are, uh, shows are much better than what the B block has delivered. And it's just been a lot of samey matches every night. Yano is the same shit different night. Naito has had the same match every single night. Evil has the same match every single night. And the problem is none of these matches are very good. And there's very few great matches. Outside of Tanahashi Naito, which is a consensus great match. Yeah. And I'll give you Naito Zack Sabre Jr. since I seem to be the only person on the planet who that puts to sleep. <laughs> I, did, I did like that a little bit more than I think you did. I'm the but... only, I, so I'll give it – I'll accept that I'm the outlier. So outside of those two matches, there really haven't been great matches in this block. Tanahashi Sonata I thought was a very good match. Tanahashi Goto – okay, that was a great I, – I really thought Tanahashi Goto was a great match. That's like four matches in the entire world. <laughs> right. We've had 19 nights here. You know what I mean? Like, we're talking this 10 is the, shows. This, yeah. is, and this is the G1. Right. I mean, the A block laps that in two shows in match quality with higher quality. Oh, in, one, in one night. In one night, they did. In night 13, I think they, yeah. they matched that with, with four really good matches. So, yeah. So the B block is underwhelmed. Um, now, with that said, I didn't really hit the wall until night 16. I usually hit the wall a little sooner. Night 16 was a slog. I just had enough. Um, I really had to force my way through that one. But that's something to be said. I mean, I almost made it all the way to Sumo Hall. That's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good, all things considered. That, that normal yeah, G1s, I think you'd, it, it happened uh, <laughs> a little bit sooner. And, yeah, you're you're in the home stretch now, so you, you got to get excited. Yeah, you get to Sumo Hall, you're back into it, you know, because those matches, have, those shows have juice. But, yeah, not a great block at all. Um but the scenarios are very simple. So let's go through those advancement scenarios. Yeah, so so there's not a whole lot. So we'll go over the card here real quick. Uh, so the 17th, Yu Yu Omura versus Gabriel Kidd. Like you said, that goes to a draw. Uh, you get a big C block tie, provided there's not a uh, a Young Lion match on the uh, Night 19 final. Um, yeah. 
So yeah, Toru Yano and Yoshihashi, that means nothing for anybody. Doesn't matter. No weird scenario where Yoshihashi could no. win. <laughs> that means no. nothing. Completely irrelevant. Uh, as well as Juice Robinson and Hiroki Goto, also completely irrelevant um, yeah. as well. Except those two guys have real weird chemistry, and that could be a really good Yes, match. yeah, hopefully. I, I, I've been waiting for Juice to have something. I've been really, really disappointed by Juice so far this, yeah. this tournament. So hopefully, yeah, he gets things going here. Uh, Hiroshi Sanahashi and Zack Sabre Jr., believe it or not, not really. They don't play a factor at all in the uh, uh, finals. But again, these are guys that have had you know uh, literally uh, 18,000 matches with each other over the last two years. Um, so we'll see, you know, decent chemistry, but yeah, I can get a little long in the tooth seeing these guys, uh, wrestle, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And I think it all plays into, I mean, it's not an accident that Kotobushi versus Taichi on his final night and Hiroshi Tanahashi's versus x Jr. on his final night as well. So there's, there's, there's meaning there for sure. So we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. And they've out been feuding, yeah. feuding all year long. I mean, so yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but Zach, even though he has 10 points, he's out. Yes. I think people need to understand that he, there is no possible advancement scenario for Zack Sabre Jr., even though he's tied with Sonata with 10, he's out. Yeah, he needed, like, some ungodly things to fall on the final night, and then it just, it, yeah, it didn't happen, so he's out, so. On night 16, you mean? Yeah, yeah, he needed, yet. he needed like, 20 things to happen, and, and yeah, it, it was not to be, so he is out. He, it, it, he could finish tied for first, but he cannot win any tiebreaker. Right, right, right. So he's out. Right. And then we so get then we have yeah, our final two, two matches, matches here. Right, right, right. Naito versus Kenta. Yeah, it's a perfect B-block fashion. There's only two matches that even matter whatsoever. The rest of the stuff's just kind of there. Uh, Naito versus Kenta. This is important. Naito, he will advance if he wins with, uh, you know, he, he he wins. Evil needs to draw or lose. Yeah. Or Naito has to draw and then Evil has to lose. Yes. Basically, Naito has to finish with more points than Evil because Evil has the tiebreaker. Right, so there you That's go. Really so, so he's got to win. Very evil has to have him. one point or no points, or he has to draw, and Evil has to have zero points. So that's that's where it if, is. Yeah, if, just... if Kenta beats Naito, so, it comes down to Evil, Sonata, winner moves on. Exactly, and and there you go. So Sonata, uh, he wins with a Naito loss. That's all. You know, Naito loses, and he comes yep. up to that. And then Evil, uh, win or draw uh, with a Naito draw or loss, and, and he moves forward too. So like you said. Uh, it'll all play that out. And I think that's exactly how the scenario is going to play out. It just yeah. seems so fitting given how this year began that Kenta beats Naito, takes him out. They have their little micro feud that they can have. They can fight at whatever the, you know, King of Pro Wrestling or whatever the hell is coming up. Uh, we never know what's coming up after. Uh, people are going to say, ah, it's, it's this show. <laughs> we always get it wrong. We never know which month it is. Well, this it's year, fun. especially because they changed the whole schedule. Right. So now I really don't know what <laughs> the next show is. And I don't really care. So there's really not much. They canceled a lot of the shows. And it's like there's there's not even a lot of chance to do briefcase matches this year. So it's it's a real weird year from that perspective. We're almost in November already. Right. You know, we're almost we're like 75 days out from Wrestle Kingdom. So, yeah, Jesus it's uh, <laughs> that's that's daunting. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's got to get going on this book, I suppose. But uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, it's going to come down. I, I the way I think, and do you kind of agree as well? Kenta's going to beat Naito, right? Yeah, Kenta's beating Naito. And yeah. It's going to come down to Evil and Sonata, and then it's just a matter of are we going to split the Bullet Club up, <laughs> or are we going to put Sonata? Yeah. So I want to die. Oh, I want to die just thinking about it. I, a the match between Sonata and Evil. I want to die, and then thinking that either one of those two men are going to move on to the final is uh, is is. Does Jay White? Naito feel like a Wrestle Kingdom main event to you? It doesn't. It really doesn't. It doesn't feel like one to me. Yeah. I, 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 I honestly, I, there's none. There's no scenario. I don't think Sonata Naito. I, I think like on paper, if you close your eyes and say 
Sonata versus Naito. You would think, oh yeah, yeah, that that. But man, like no, that's not a man. That's, that's not a man. no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like on paper, maybe it should be. And I know fucking goddamn Evil versus Naito is not a Wrestle Kingdom main event either. So I mean, they might think it is, but I don't want to watch uh, that. They, I really hope they don't. The <laughs> right. It's never good. It is never good. Um, do we really need Dick Togo with the Grote Wire in, in the Tokyo Dome? I mean, who wants that? I I, you know, somebody, I, somebody somewhere, but super dedicated Lij fans. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not on this yeah. show. It's not right now on this show. So um, I don't even know if Lij fans in Japan want that for the fifth time either, though. Right, I think they'd be more uh, apt to like defend uh, Sonata versus you know course, I, Naito. I, they would. Who wouldn't? Right. We've seen the other match a million times. Right. So it's like, you know, so my point stands. Who the fuck wants evil Naito? I mean, give me Jay White or or Sonata at that point. I mean, the obvious match is Okada Naito. I mean, come on. But, I mean, if if evil goes through the B block, that's why I think there is a chance for Okada because evil beat Okada in the New Japan Cup final. And that's how New Japan books. Okada getting that win back over evil in the the G1 final is, is typically how they book. But... Because of the match positioning of Okada Osprey, I don't think they're doing that. I think it's going to be Jay White and Evil. So just go on record. What do you think it's going to be? <sighs> I think it's Evil. I think it's Jay White versus Evil, and then here's the other problem though: if they do Jay White, are. if they do Jay White Evil and then blow up the Bullet Club, then doesn't that mean Jay White has to lose to Evil because they're not turning on Evil; they're turning on Jay White? Or would they do a post-match turn? But that would make no sense. Like, why would, you know, again, like, why would you, the guy would win and have the title match, and then he would say, ah, fuck this guy, we're going to beat him up and turn on him. Um, Because I think, okay, well, I'm going to tell you why, and this is why I set it up this way. Because you just said that Jay White Naito doesn't feel like a Wrestle Kingdom main event. Does it feel like a Wrestle Kingdom main event if Jay White's a babyface? Maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit more. Doesn't that change the dynamic a little bit? No, not definitely. To where it's like, you give him a two and a half month push as a a new babyface star, and then I think that match has more juice rather than Jay White with Gato waiting around for an interference spot in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. Right. I, I think like, there's there's probably a way that you can do I, I, Honestly, in my mind, as I'm kind of, you know, fantasy booking this in my head, I'm thinking a scenario where, you know, those guys get to the final, uh, you know, all the, the Bullet Club comes out and they all say, okay, yeah, you, you know, Jay, Evil's our guy, so you got to lay down, let him win. He's got to get back to the title or whatever. Jay White goes, fuck that. Like, he can turn before the match even starts. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's a lot of idea that, like, oh, after the match, they're going to beat him up or something's going to happen during the match. I don't hate that idea either of, like, you know, him being told, okay, no, so lay down. The Evil's going to win. We want him to move forward. And him going, fuck that. No, I'm not going to do that. Let's let's fight. Let's find out who the better man is. And he beats Evil. And that kind of, you know, that's a way where he can still win, turn, and also doesn't look like a geek in the process. You know, he kind of yeah. looks like a, a conquering fighting babyface. Uh, in, in the process, and that way I like a lot more than like you know Dick Togo comes out and chokes him, <laughs> you know, but he, you know, and then like you know or, or whatever it's going to be. I I don't know. It is very very interesting. There's a lot that can happen. Like you said, I'm I'm intrigued on you know of that match just to see what happens and what they decide to do. I'm not very intrigued about you know like actually watching it physically happen or you know like what scenario could play out where Evil ends up winning and and, and going on the main event of the Tokyo Dome. But yeah, I think there's ways to do it, and I think the goal should be to turn Jay White face or or at least get him in that direction uh, after this match as well. So how you do that, how you get to that, I, I have no idea. It's just none of these potential Wrestle Kingdom main events do a thing for They me. don't feel, That's... yeah, they don't feel right. And, and they don't feel big enough. No. And I guess, I guess if we're doing two nights, but are they doing two nights? Is it a half full? Maybe they, they think, Hey, it's going to be a half full Tokyo dome or a quarter full Tokyo dome. Who the hell cares? Well, I really thought Okada made the most sense because he's constantly putting down the IC title 
and saying he doesn't care about it, which I hate. I hate when wrestlers disrespect titles in a company. It's the worst thing you can do because you want fans to think every title is important. I hated when Naito did it. I hate that Okada's doing it. But it would have made sense for, for, for Okada to win the block, get his revenge on Evil for New Japan Cup, and win the, the G1 by beating Evil in the final. And then you could do Okada Naito at Wrestle Kingdom, but only for the IWGP heavyweight. And then you could split those titles right, back right. up. Because you did this thing for a year, and I know the year got screwed up where the two titles were together, you eventually have to split them back up. That's the perfect spot to do it. Okada wins after Naito beat him last year, and off you go. They each have their own title again, and then you do whatever you're going to do. To me, that's still the most logical uh, path for all of this, but now that Okada's going on third from the top, I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and it's it's, it's kind of convoluted to get it to happen uh, as well. Like you said, it's just so weird that Ishii wins, conquers Jay White, and then Okada walks out and goes, thanks, buddy. <laughs> you know, pushes yeah. him off to the side, you know, does his pose in the middle of the ring while a bunch of confetti falls on him. It's just like, yeah, that's kind of weird. You know? Yeah, pats him on the back, yeah. tells him to take thanks, a pal. Hit the <laughs> hit the bricks, and then throws his hands up in the air as, you know, dollars fall from the sky. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah, doesn't, it's just, yeah. so I don't think that's going to be the route. I think it's interesting that the A block was centered around Okada and Will Ospreay this whole time. And the B block was centered around the LIJ wars. And then the final, the G1 final is going to come down to Bullet Club and a Bullet Club war. You know, so uh, that's interesting too, where you know, LIJ and, and Okada take a back seat for uh, whatever Bullet Club shenanigans are going to go down. But um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's your G1 recap. That's it. And so, uh, uh, we'll look forward here the last three nights. So for, to let people know, you are not reviewing the final on the Patreon, right? We're going to review the final next we'll week on the flagship. Week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we always do it. Yeah, so okay. I will do night 17 and night 18, and that'll be it. And then um, the final, which is on Sunday morning, uh, you and I will do that next week here. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I have all plans to wake up early and, and watch it live. So we... We'll be on Twitter and, and giving some thoughts here and there, but yeah, our extended thoughts about it will will we'll be on the flagship next week. So, well, it's a Sunday show, so it should be fairly early too, right? No, it's like so it starts at like one a.m. I think our time or yeah, one a.m. Yeah. Eastern time. So it's like, yeah, I think I'm just gonna wake up at like three. You know what I mean? I, I can skip some of the early stuff and, and and just get to the final. See, you're a wake up early guy, not a stay up. Late I can't. Guy. Yeah, I can't do a stay up late thing, especially. Yeah, I I would much rather wake up at like two or three than than stay up until five. Like I can't do. I'm a, I'm just an absolute wreck if I try to stay up absolute weirdo you are like <laughs> you rather get up at two in the morning than yeah. stay up until two in the morning correct <sighs> it, it, you know when, when you wake up at 5 a.m every single day it, it, it's tough to tell your you body okay so I, my body doesn't out. care my body and my dogs don't give a shit you, you know what i mean you like it in saturday you sleep till fucking <sighs> 11 dude i don't sleep in at all on saturday dogs scream at me the wife well she leaves for work she's working this weekend as well so she's gonna wake up at 5 a.m anyway Ugh. So my idea of even like sleeping in gets ruined by her, you know, jacking around, talking to me while she's straightening her hair, turning on every Can't light in the entire me. house. Like, you know, it's just like, all right. <laughs> oh, so no consideration either. No, just absolutely zero consideration. Yeah. What does a human being do at five in the morning? When oh, I do a lot. I do a lot, actually. You do? It's dark out. Like, what the <laughs> I watch. I watch old G1s. I watch. 
I actually watch a lot of wrestling. I get a lot done. I, I, I've started. It's weird. I never thought I'd be that guy. Like I used to make fun of my dad because, like, I would come home from bars or whatever. My dad's waking up, you know, getting the paper. You know, I'd be pulling into the driveway. He's walking out to get his paper to go, you know, read yeah. the entire paper. I'm like, what are you doing? What a weirdo! And I'm like, D- I'm 33 and I'm already at like the oh great, it's 5 a.m. I have all this free time to myself to do. You know, I, I play a lot of video games that early now. Get a pot of coffee yeah. going, watch some old wrestling, play some video games. Record yeah. a lot of podcasts. People might not even know. I record a lot of the uh, Patreon stuff at like five a.m. So hmm. it's it's you, I don't I didn't want to be this way, but I've I've become this way. So <laughs> you didn't want this life. I really didn't. I really like. I was told every I like I didn't want to be this guy. I didn't want to work in an office. I don't want to do this old bullshit. And here I am. You know, with a fucking mortgage. <laughs> you know, trying to. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. You know, just a stupid generic adult now it's just garbage oh, so. you pay a mortgage so you have the ability to just walk around in your underwear it's true and the privacy of your own home Make i mean as that's much noise as i want at 5 a.m and nobody cares so that's worth 1800 dollars a month <laughs> right. to walk around <laughs> in your underwear in 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 your own home you know uh because it's yours and you can fucking do that you know so that's the way you got to look at it but Absolutely. Um, all right so that's that is the g1 uh, we're going to talk about the collective here. Before we do that, Joe, I do want to let you know this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Keeps. And we've talked about Keeps a little bit. And what we always say is your identity is so wrapped up in your hair. Joe, you talk about the fresh haircut. I, I got a haircut two days ago. I'm feeling kind of fresh uh, myself as well. Like, it's a big deal. Your hair is a big deal, uh, especially for the guys. And one thing that you don't love is in your 20s and your 30s, you start noticing a little bit of hair loss. You, you know, you run your, your fingers through your hair, a little bit of hairs come out. You, somebody notices, you know, your significant other says, oh, you know, they kind of look at your hair. You ask, what's going on? What, what do you see? And they're like, oh, nothing. You know, like, no, 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 what's going on? They're like, ah, oh, nothing. You know, I, I've had that a few times where they look and they're like, eh. No, it's okay. And I'm like, it's not. You just stared at it for 10 minutes. Like, it's clearly not okay. And they're like, ah, you know, they're, they're like, you're, you know, nobody ever is ready to go bald. Nobody ever wants to go bald. But thankfully, there is keeps the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Two out of three guys will experience some form of male part, uh, pattern baldness by the time they're 35. And the best way to prevent the hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. If you wait till it's too late, you're not going to get the hair back. But that, when, you're, when you start noticing, when that significant other starts poking around your hair and looking at it and prodding at it and staring at it, that is the time to do this stuff. And you can get treated from home with Keeps. Don't have to go to the doctor's office uh, to, to get a prescription. Thanks to Keeps, you can visit your doctor online, especially great uh, during these weird times as well to get a doctor online. And you can get hair loss medication delivered right to your door. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to the pharmacy checkout lines, the awkward doctor visits. Joe, you and I always talk about the clicking the button at the pharmacy and having to have some dope come in with their like giant thing of keys to unlock it for you. And it's so fucking embarrassing. You don't have to do it anymore. None of that stuff happens anymore. Uh, great thing about Keeps as well is they offer generic versions uh, of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You've probably tried them before, but never for the price that Keeps is going to let you have them for. They're probably familiar to you. You probably know the brands. You know all that sort of stuff, but you're going to get the generic versions of them, and you're going to get them at lower prices. And as we said, Keeps treatment typically takes between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. you got to think six months ahead of time with this. The sooner you start using Keeps, the sooner you will keep your hair. Uh, find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any other competitors and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 per month, plus for a limited time only. We're going to give you the code here in a bit. You can get your first month free. All you have to do to do that is 
keeps.com slash VOW. First month of treatment for free at K-E-E-P-S dot com slash V-O-W. Again, K-E-E-P-S dot com, keeps.com slash V-O-W. Get your first month of treatment absolutely free, 10 bucks a month after that to make sure you keep your hair and you keep your... You keep getting those fresh haircuts. You know what I mean? You, you want the swagger, the grocery store swagger, the movie theater swagger, whatever you want to do. You keep getting that because you get your haircuts because you still got a lot of hair. Keeps.com slash BOW. So there we go. All right. Let's talk about the collective, Joe. The collection of indie Collect- wrestling <laughs> going on in Indianapolis, Indiana. I, uh, Darn, I was unfortunately not in town, so I couldn't go to this. But uh, we, we watched a, a, a decent amount of this. You watched matches here and there. I watched matches here and there. I watched full shows. We're just going to kind of run down all the shows, kind of quickly talk about it. If we saw a match from it, if we have a thought about it. Uh, and then at the end, we'll talk about kind of the fallout and, 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 and you know, kind of the ripple effects uh, of this uh, so far. And this is just as we're recording this right now. But, uh, yeah, some, some not great news coming out of, of, of the collective over the weekend uh, as well. I guess if you want, we could talk about that now. But it, it's, Let's just do that, get yeah, that yeah. out of the way. I mean, I mean already there's been, uh, as to be expected, um, now listen, we have not been the COVID police when it comes to pro wrestling. Um, you know, a lot of people have been, and they've been just totally aghast that anyone is running. That really hasn't been us. At least it hasn't been me. That's for sure. No, it's not me either. Yeah. Um, I, I have, I have certain, there's certain things that I, I think that people should be doing or being careful about or whatnot, but sure. uh, absolutely understand why uh, uh, an event like the collective happened. Given that everybody knows the risks, which I think at this point in fucking October 2020, you should probably know the risks of doing uh, uh, either attending the show, being a part of the show, running the show, all that sort of stuff. As long as everybody knows the risks and they're willing to, you know, sort of handle those risks or, or, or be responsible about those risks, then I have no issue with it. That, that's the key. That's all it is. Do I think they should have required tests beforehand? Uh, probably. Yeah, absolutely. They should have. I mean, we were told, you know, there's at least one wrestler. And, you know, from someone who I trust uh, more than almost anyone in the wrestling business. Would you agree with that assessment from where we got this from? Uh, a very stand-up person. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And never, never. I, I don't think ever steered us wrong once. I would I would trust this person more than just about anyone in wrestling. They tell us that there was someone who worked these shows who, who you know, it, now look, they didn't work all 12 shows. Okay. But the people that they worked for, none of them required any sort of proof that they were negative. I don't know about that. I think you're going to do something like this over the course of three days. And again, I, I haven't been the COVID police at all. Maybe you want to at least test either. If you're not going to test everyone, which is ideal, at least require proof that people got tested on their own. Before right. they give, give me, the give me a slip. And then, yeah, you could, you can wrestle this weekend. If you show me that you've gotten tested and that you're a negative, like I, I think Otherwise, you can't get in the building. I mean, is that too much to add? Is that crazy? I don't think that's crazy. It's absolutely not. Like, I don't think, like, people said, like, oh, the fans should do that, too. And, like, I don't think the, if the fans are wearing masks and the fans are distanced or whatever, then, yeah, you can't require everybody to get it. But guys that are going to be in the ring there, breathing on each other, no mask, hanging out in the locker rooms, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, no, I need to know if you're positive or not. So, no, I, I don't think that that's too much to ask. And there's, that there's was a financial fun. burden. There's a financial burden, obviously, to do it. But, that you know, sorry, that's what the world we live in right now. I can't speak for every single promotion that ran. But at least one wrestler says that the people that they worked for, none of them required any kind of proof. So there were at least some promotions here who didn't require, weren't testing and didn't require any kind of proof. They could talk about all the 
steps they were taking and all your sanitizer stations and mask requirements you want. But if you have people coming into the building who are already sick, right? Uh, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's what happened, but I don't think anyone's shocked that we're coming up with some positive tests here. And what I, you know, look, when I put on show number one on Friday afternoon at 11 a.m., and in like match number two, the wrestlers are brawling into the crowd. <laughs> right. Might want to pump the brakes on that spot for yeah. one weekend. I mean, what are we doing going up into the crowd? Um, when I put on show number one, and in the main event, in a death match, a uh, wrestler has a fan remove a needle from his mouth. <laughs> Might want to leave that spot at the front right. door in Indianapolis too. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if I'm agenting, uh, I know nobody agents. You know, Air Fox versus Too Cold Scorpio. But I might say, uh, Too Cold. You know, when you go, when you roll outside the ring, instead of grabbing another guy's water bottle and spitting at Air Fox, and then Air Fox <laughs> grabbing the same water bottle, drinking it, and then spitting at you, let's just not do that. Let's just maybe put that shelf that one for I don't know next year <laughs> or you know two years from now. But. And again, we're not the COVID police, and we haven't been. But there's something. There's like some baseline it, things that I think. Yeah, sharing a water about and spitting at each other from a fan I, I i don't know if i do that and i thank god i didn't see the fan taking a needle out of somebody's mouth it's just like what are yeah we, come do, on do, yeah i mean do we need this atticus kogar need to have the guy in the front row take the, the hypodermic needle out of the god. inside of his cheek does that need that does that spot need to happen um probably not so I mean, one of the upsides, one of the very few upsides in this universe for COVID has been nobody is brawling up the steps of Cork and Hall. What a joy that's been to have nobody brawling up the steps of Cork and Hall. The most tired spot in all of pro wrestling has been eliminated. It's like the one and only thing that's been positive about COVID. But at the collective, now look, I'm not saying they did it every match, but I couldn't believe my eyes when on the very first show, a guy walked up and brawled into the crowd. <laughs> right, yeah. At baseline, let's just not do that, guys. Like, come on. But, you know, they've had some positives, and a lot's going to change by the time people listen to this. I think three people have tested positive uh, publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one, of course, was Dan the Dad. He was the number one to come out, Danny Adams. Um, I think Cabana Man Dan, and there was one other wrestler. Uh, AJ Gray. I think AJ Gray came out AJ as well. AJ Gray, who unfortunately was, like, on every fucking yeah, show. <laughs> Ten shows that weekend, um, so that's not great. And what I don't like is how people healed on Danny Adams. It's not his fault he got sick. I, I don't like that he got sick and there I'm were sorry, a it was AC Mack. AC Mack was the one that was positive, not AJ Gray. Oh, it wasn't AJ Gray. It was not AJ well, Gray. AC I, Mack, saw, I saw, I saw AJ Gray earlier, but it, 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 that, that was wrong. It was actually um, AC Mack. That's Mac, bad information. But... So it's AC Mack. But AC Mack worked a bunch of shows too, which is a little concerning. You know, so that's another – again, this isn't someone who worked one show. Um. But uh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, Danny Adams. I, I, I was uncomfortable with people sort of making him out to be a heel. I mean, it's not his problem, his fault that he got sick. It's not his fault that his test came back positive. Right, before yeah. The- <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's a very weird thing that's kind of happened during this thing where you get this, like, scarlet letter for te- – and it's like, dude, you could have just been doing your – you could have done – followed every single precaution he could possibly have followed. But if nobody else follows the precaution – then he gets it, you know, what I mean? and, that, and that's the issue with this yeah. thing, and that's the issue with doing a weekend like this and and not having at least a semi bubble or having everybody come in with ne- you know negative tests or whatever, and, and and not controlling what people do after the events because there's people out at bars and stuff, and you could see, I mean, they're they're also in Indianapolis, which is full on like Indiana is a full on state that's just like allowing everything to be 100 percent open, and when you know you're seeing pictures of wrestlers hanging out at bars and hanging out at restaurants afterwards, you know, in big piles and in big packs or whatever, it's like that that then is just like dude, you, you've lost all control, and and. You 
you can't yeah it's not anything that that dan the dad did it's it's just the entire thing it was bound to happen like somebody was going to get it and 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 the, the numbers are only going to increase as, as people get tested so yeah it was i thought it was ridiculous that people are like oh you asshole you it's like dude maybe i showed up and 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 you know wore a mask and then somebody fucking coughed on me in the ring and i got it from that guy like you don't know who i got it like it, it it's you can't you can't get mad at one individual for getting it it's an entire systematic thing or, or systemic thing i should say at the same time, he was completely out of line, uh, throwing criticism towards St. Louis Anarchy, claiming that they were trying to use his illness to draw money. That was utter nonsense. St. Louis Anarchy, if people don't know, they had they were going to resume their Spirit of Spalding tournament this weekend. They canceled all their shows and, in fact, canceled the entire tournament because of the positive test that resulted at the collective and because half of the people on the Spalding show were at the collective. So St. Louis Anarchy got out in front, did the right thing, canceled the show, canceled their tournament uh, because of the positive test. Uh, This guy's out here claiming that they were trying to sell tickets based on his illness, which is utter nonsense. Now to be fair. Okay. He canceled that tweet. So maybe he, you know, tweeted that out of not understanding what St. Louis Anarchy was saying. Or, or maybe they had a little private chat because I know uh, Matt Jackson, the other Matt Jackson who runs St. Louis Anarchy, former Pierre Abernathy, he put out an apology saying, look, if, if, I, if people feel like I was coming aggressive at Danny Adams, I didn't mean it, um, but I had to cancel my shows. And yeah, I right, was disappointed right. that I had to cancel my shows. Yeah, the, the, the tweets, if, if, if people didn't see it, and we've been following St. Louis Anarchy you know, and, and the spirit of Spalding, unfortunately, as, as you know, they, they did their first night. I really haven't been able to come back since then because of different you know restrictions, and then finally the restrictions were lifted, and they were ready to go this weekend, and then uh, this all happens. Is essentially what he said is you know we have to cancel this, but here's some good news. Here's the you know shows we have coming up, and right. that was seen as kind of an affront. That was seen as trying to sell tickets, and and I don't see it that way. I see it as hey look, in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, 
and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Bad break, but we're, we're, we're keeping our heads up and we're going to eventually, you know, be back up and running again. Like that, that has nothing. It's not a shot. That's not trying to sell tickets. It's just saying, hey, guys, I'm sorry. We have to cancel this weekend. If you had tickets, if you're excited, you can't watch it. But here's what, you know, here's our plan now, uh, it, it, you know, after this. So, so I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy that at all. And, and, and seeing that he deleted it. Uh, makes me think that either somebody said, "Hey, look, like I, I think you got the complete wrong idea of what's going on here," and 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 to his credit, he he was able to just kind of say, oh, "Whoops, sorry," or you know, whatever whatever happened or whatever reaction he case, had. Yeah. yeah, if that was the case, whatever happened, he deleted it, so it is gone. But yeah, that was that was very odd when 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 he was doing that. And there was a lot of emotions, I think, coming on, you know, from from, a lot of from, from him right now as well as he's seeing, you know, him get, you know, kind of. In, in equal parts kind of encourage like hey you know what it's fine you know whatever and then other people being like this guy what a super spread you know what i mean like i'm, I'm sure it's it's tough when you're that first guy it's tough like rudy gobert got yeah, it in the nba like well. yeah it's tough it, you know people think that you're the reason it started and it's like no i'm just the first one that got tested dude like there's yeah. nothing that shows that i'm the one that spread it to everybody we, we don't even know who that could be it doesn't matter it, there's no way you're gonna be able to track who was the one that, that that got everybody or if there was a one or if there was a handful of people i mean it's it's gonna over the next over the course of the next week over the course of this weekend, we're gonna. There's gonna be countless guys. There's gonna be dozens oh, yeah. of people that are gonna test positive. They're all wrestling each other. Two hours later, two more people tested positive. It's it, his his test came back first. Right. So, <laughs> it doesn't mean he's the, the only guy that he's the spreader that was out there going. Yeah, it, it's 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 wild. But and the poor guy got dogpiled, and I'm I'm sure that led to that tweet. But but Jackson, I mean, when he was saying, "Here's some good news." He just meant to his fans, like, look, I just canceled this tournament, you all. Again, for like the third time that I've said I was going to do this tournament. So, yeah. Yeah. And I I just canceled our show this weekend. Here's some good news. He didn't mean it as a shot at at anybody. And look, we've had dealings with Matt Jackson for years, since the very beginnings of this show. He's a good guy. We have mutual friends. Rich, you and I have mutual friends of Matt Jackson who will tell you, I've heard nothing but great things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great guy from from all accounts. Yeah, he's a great guy, a great, well-meaning guy. I mean, you never hear anything bad about him. There's no way he had bad intentions. You know, and and he's a guy as well that I think, you know, it it, it sucks that at any point during this day, people are like, oh, you know, he's trying to do this or think anything negative. I mean, if when you look at the indies around the world uh, and and really wrestling companies around the world, I would say St. Louis Anarchy might be – like honestly, one of the top ones in terms of like be trying to be safe about this and trying to be responsible about this. Like I, I don't know if of you remember the ones, from... of the ones running. Yeah, exactly. Of the ones that are at least to attempting that, to run. Yeah, right. Because the ones not running obviously are being the most. Like Ring of Honor has been the most responsible. Yeah, just but saying. Yes, fuck I... it. We're we're sitting out. But yeah, of companies trying to run. Yes. If there's a test, they go, okay, no, get off our show. Anybody that's related to this guy, get off. Like it happened with uh, uh, Davey Vega in the in the first night. 
He yes. tested positive, and they told Fitchett, hey, don't come. And they told these guys, hey, you know, try to do it. And then, like, yeah, have canceled this event now two, three times because they could just say, hey, fuck it, whatever. I mean, goddamn, GCW is coming across this fucking country this weekend and running a show. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, by the time people listen to this, that might be off. Because we'll if we can get more of these positives, it's not just more people getting positives, but then people who wrestled people who had those positives, people who were in contact of the people who had those positives. You know how this goes now, Rich. Oh, for sure, yeah. Gigantic spider web. How can you run a show <laughs> with anyone that was in Indianapolis this past weekend. Right. Across All the fucking country, too. Presumably, <laughs> I don't... I Maybe these people are driving from Philadelphia to California, but I'd imagine there's probably a few flights going out here and there. Like, it's just... Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable. So, yeah, for any sort of dark pile that happened on St. Louis Anarchy as well is unbelievable because they've been out in front of saying, hey, look, if there's any risk to any of the wrestlers, we're just not going to run the show. And, and, they, and they haven't. And that's why they have run only two of these, you know, or, or what was it, one Spirit of Spalding show. Um, and have, have had to cancel it numerous times as well because, you know, doing restrictions instead of like, instead of, oh, we have a restriction in our state or whatever, so we're going to run here, you know, somewhere they don't have restrictions. Like, they're, they're like, all right, look, yeah, it's fine. We'll, we'll come back, you know, another night. So, yeah, for them to get any dog pile or any sort of negative uh, press when they've been, you know, I think one of the better indies at handling this, is, it, it kind of sucks as well. So, and look, a lot of these wrestlers did on their own go out and get tested before they came to Indianapolis. But what I find, a little irresponsible is that they weren't required to bring a test to Indianapolis for all. Now look, maybe some of these promotions that our source didn't work for did, but I can, we could say definitively that some of these promotions didn't require anything. You just walk in the door and wrestle. It's certainly not looking that way. Yeah. With, with all these guys yeah. now saying, get tested, make sure you're getting tested. It's like, no, after it's when you're supposed to like, now is the worst time to decide. Hey, look, Oh, I'm positive. Weird. Like, you know, I mean, now it's good, it's good to do it now. I mean, it's never bad to find out that you're positive, but it would have been a lot better before, you know, 100 people converge on a locker room and wrestle ball weekend would have been a good time to figure that out. So, And then plan to spread out all over the country and work shows this weekend. I mean, I don't know. That's one rest- of what not to do during a pandemic, basically, is, is have a bunch of people converge on a spot from all different places, you know, participate in whatever over a weekend and then spread out again to all their different – I mean, that's like – Literally the opposite of what you should try to do, but yeah, hey, yeah. you know, whatever. And listen, if I'm a wrestler working in Milwaukee, Wisconsin this weekend, or Los Angeles, California, or Sheboygan, fucking where's Sheboygan? Wisconsin. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin yeah. Well, I, I picked. You got a lot of Wisconsin in there. Yeah, Lacrosse, <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay, <laughs> Madison, What's Kenosha, Kenosha. Yeah. But my point here is, and and someone from Indianapolis was on that show, and and they were. St- I, I'm not working that show anymore. I mean, I, I can't do it. I mean, I have to assume everybody that was in Indianapolis is 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 a possible positive. Yeah, test. ticking time bomb for sure. I mean, they were all in the fucking clusterfuck. <laughs> everybody <laughs> right. in Indianapolis was in the clusterfuck. I was in the clusterfuck. I was even in Indianapolis, and I was in there for a minute. So, so you know, I mean, you know, so a lot of people thought this would turn out to be a disaster, and uh, it is sure looking like at this point that it's turned out to be one. Um. Again, not the COVID police. I'm the last person you would hear this from because I've largely stayed out of that. I find the topic boring. I'm just here to talk about wrestling matches, but I don't think they did enough. They could talk about their precautions all they want. Everyone who wa- everyone who showed up to Indianapolis, you shouldn't have been allowed in the door. If you weren't going to test people yourselves, like AEW does or whatever, you shouldn't have been allowed in the door without a piece of paper that said, I tested negative and that, and it needed to be from within 48 hours. 
Right. I don't know if that's too much to ask. And honestly, I think a lot of them would have been able to provide that. It seems like a lot of these wrestlers did take the initiative and were responsible about it. But maybe if one of these positives, maybe you would have caught one before they got in the building. Right. Right. And then maybe they don't spread it to everybody else. Or maybe it did come from a fan. But then that goes back to maybe fans shouldn't be pulling hypodermic needles out of people's mouths. Maybe it shouldn't be brawling up into the, uh, into the stands. Maybe fans should have been seated uh, right next to the ring where they're getting plowed into with dives all night long with their water bottles sitting right there. And I'm not trying to be the COVID police. I'm just trying to bring some common sense to this. Right, right, right. It's just everybody knew the risks going in, and it felt like there was no precautions taken to those risks. And, no, and, they, and, they, an and, they're, and they're claiming that all these great precautions. Rich, oh, did anybody, fuck off with your hand sanitizer stations. Get out of here. Like, that, that any, shit doesn't do anything. Any, did any fan need to be seated on the floor, period? No. no. And that, if they that did, was a huge. They, that, was, that was a huge building. They could have, yeah. They were like, ringside. Couldn't they at least be 30 feet back if you were on the floor as the front row? Where you're guaranteed – I mean there's wrestlers coming to the ring and they're getting – there's fans patting them on the back like any other show because they're walking right through the crowd to the – I mean I don't know. And it, I don't want to be that guy because I've avoided being yeah, that no, guy. Yeah, no, I for- get it. And, and, and to me like the thing that was even more perplexing is that if you, if you really want to say, hey, look, we need to wrestle. I need to make money. We need to make money. All that sort of stuff. That's fine. But I don't want to see you guys all fucking taking a selfie with you know 50 people at TGI Fridays after the show. That, was that stuff happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Man, I didn't even see yeah, that. Yeah, well, in Indiana, so it's all open, so everybody thinks, oh, it's open, so we're good. Like, okay, well, right. <laughs> that's not exa- – I mean, yeah, it's good that, you know, they're, 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 it got record high cases because people are just going wild. But, like, yeah, you, then, okay, you you if you're the collective, you're whoever, you're GCW, whatever, you say, all right, guys, look, we all need to do this weekend because we all need to make money. We need to keep indie wrestling alive. But when we're done with this show, go to the hotel – Chill out with your buddy, you know, do whatever, but I don't want to see anybody at bars. I don't want to see anybody at restaurants and come back the next night and we'll all be good and we'll get out of here this weekend and hopefully we'll make some money and, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll survive another day. We'll survive another weekend or whatever. But to just basically say, hey, go do whatever you want all weekend and then come back, you know, to do the clusterfuck is that, that again is, 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 I just can't get down with that. It's just, and I get it. It's indie wrestling. I I know you can't have that much control, but if it's going to be the collective, we're going to be all in one building. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. There's. It's just it, this isn't a normal WrestleMania weekend. This isn't just a let's fuck around and you know type thing. I whatever. Yeah. Well, they had to get that money back. They had to, you know, uh, it's they didn't want to lose out. You know, they had to recoup some of that investment. I just think Game Changer could have done a better job. Is that fair to say they could have done a better job here? I, I why don't we just leave it at that? Um. I really just want to talk about wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that. Let's hope. Let's hope that all these tests come and and people people move on and everyone's fine and hopefully nobody gets seriously injured or hurt or anything. So hopefully we'll see. Uh, well, we'll go through all these shows quickly. We're not going to go match by match. You know, we obviously <sighs> don't have time. So we're going match by match. We have an hour left. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see. All of all of these shows, or even parts of all of these shows, neither did Rich. But we're going to piece together what we can. We may come across a show or two where neither one of us had, you know, saw anything on it. So we'll just go through quickly. Rich, and I'm going to start Friday afternoon. We're just going to go in order. Jimmy Lloyd's D-Generation <laughs> F. How much of this did you see? Zero. How much will I see? Zero. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> well, I watched the whole show. God, why? And, well, I was home and it was on. I mean, what else am I going to watch? Okay, okay. that's fine. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. There's no golf. I, there was any tennis on? Well, there was golf on, to be fair. But... um. There was tennis on too, actually, but 
I do a pro wrestling podcast. I am a professional. That's true. And That's I was true. home and it was on. So I did watch this. This I think this was the, <laughs> the only show. No, I think there was two shows I watched start to finish. And this oddly was one of them. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Because I was just around. I mean, uh, look, it wasn't very good. We weren't off to a good start. Um, I thought Ace Austin looked pretty good against Jordan Oliver. The main event was Atticus Kogar against Colby Carino on what was billed as Colby Carino's first ever death match. God, that was a train. It was a train wreck. <laughs> it, he, it just wasn't good. Um, Kogar is a death match guy. Uh, Carino uh, has never had a death match. At least that's how it was billed. So many blown spots. Um, just it, it was a it was an absolute mess. It was a terrible match. Um, oddly, it wasn't even one of the five worst matches I've seen, I saw over the weekend. Uh, yeah, it's probably one of the five worst, but it wasn't the worst. We're going to get to that. Um, this was the match where the Kogar had a fan pulled a hypodermic needle out of his mouth, uh, which I thought was a real head scratcher. The other match I want to talk about was uh, Blake Christian and Starboy Charlie. This Starboy Charlie's a 17-year-old from uh, California. Rich, they went 24 minutes and it was Blake and it was mostly grappling and Starboy Charlie's a flippy do guy. Um, but I guess they wanted to do something different and it just didn't work. It fell flat, very flat match, way too long. Um, not what you, you look Starboy Charlie. If you're trying to showcase him, you don't, you know, grind him to a halt like this and, and do mat wrestling with him. So that was a bizarre match layout that I think they were going for an epic and it just didn't work. That's bizarre. Yeah, that's a weird. Um, AJ Gray versus Jimmy Lloyd was fine. The thing is, I don't think. Yeah, it just didn't work. They were going for that big epic feel, and it just it yeah. fell flat. And Starboy Charlie has like no experience. He just he didn't look good in the match. He looked really bad in the match. He there was some spots like his strikes looked awful. Um, he didn't come across well at all. If it was your only time seeing him, you'd be like, why is this? terrible 17 year old <laughs> right, right 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 he really didn't come across well at all um aj gray aj gray jimmy lloyd was fine jimmy lloyd just isn't very good in my opinion um ace austin looked all right and then you know the rest of the mat the rest of the show was what it, it just wasn't we weren't off to a great start let's just put it that way um for the culture this was another show where i Saw it start to finish. Yeah, same with me. And I, know I, you I saw everything as well. Off. Yeah, I watched all of it. I watched all of it. So we can we can talk about every little bit of it. Okay. So what were your uh, big picture thoughts for the culture? Since we both watched the whole show, we can spend a little time. on Yeah, it. I think uh, on, on its you know at the beginning, I, I will say like it was you know and, and when WrestleMania weekend was going to happen as it was going to happen, this is my most anticipated show of the weekend because it was something unique. It was something different. It, it was a really cool concept. I thought of here's our theme show and here's what we're going to do and we're going to showcase people that you may have never seen before, showcase people that might have never had you know a, a spot unless we had a show like this. And I like that idea. I think that's what makes WrestleMania weekend great and I thought that's what I really liked about watching it on this show is that there were a lot of names that I had never heard of before I had never seen before people from all across the country wrestlers that I had never even heard of and never even heard the names so it was really cool to see a bunch of new names and, and a bunch of new people and 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 guys and girls that you know maybe will be names or deserve a spot or will get a booking from this and that's really the goal that's really what you want to do with with these sort of WrestleMania weekends is get new eye you know eyes on people uh, that may not have you know otherwise been seen so that was really cool as far as the show itself i think there was some, there was some good and there was some bad uh, i think there was a lot of people on the show that you could tell was like oh maybe i 
know why I never heard of these people at all because they weren't very good and they were they were kind of bad and 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 but there was a lot of stuff that I really liked about this show. I will say I think there was a, a little bit of a missed opportunity uh, in terms of the commentary team uh, of this, and I forget the names who did it. I don't want to call them out by name because I don't really know. I don't forget what their names were. Uh, I thought they did a good job of being excited about the wrestlers. But I think they did a pretty poor job of telling you, hey, this is this person. Here's where they wrestle. Here's why they're important. Like, let me know why I, I, I'm watching this person. There, there's a there was a lot of people on the show where they said, oh, you've probably never heard of this guy, but there you go. And then like it, then they didn't they didn't expand upon this person. They didn't tell me why, uh, you know, a, a Timmy Lou Retton or a Zay Washington or a Mo Atlas. Like, why I should care about these these guys? Why I should care? You know, why why I should be interested in them? Where they wrestle? You know, put a spotlight on these people. That that is what this show is all about. This show is all about people that maybe don't get the same opportunities, maybe people that weren't booked the same way, getting a spotlight, getting an opportunity on this big weekend to show what they can do. Great opportunity to say, hey, here's what they do. Here's their credentials. Here's what they wrestle. Here's why you should book them. Here's, you know, their potential. Here's, you know, that sort of stuff. And I don't think that they did that. They they instead kind of did the GCW style, I'm just going to yell at you for three hours type style of commentary, which I did not love. So that was a little annoying. And um, the work, as I said, was kind of hit or miss. But when we talk about stuff that really stood out, I mean... I thought the final two matches on, on For the Culture may have been the maybe two of my favorite matches of the entire uh, weekend uh, with Lee Moriarty versus uh, ACH, which I know you loved as well. And then I fucking loved AR Fox versus Two Cold Scorpio. Oh, my God. I love that. I, I don't know your thoughts on that match, so I can't wait to talk about that. But but, but I guess maybe we could start with Moriarty and, and, and ACH. Or you can give your thoughts about For the Culture uh, as well before we. I liked it. Um, look, it wasn't a great show top to bottom. There was a lot of stuff that wasn't very good on this show. Um, but it had the best match that I've seen of the entire weekend, which was Lee Moriarty and ACH. Lee Moriarty was the winner of the weekend. Yeah. Oh, he was the star um, of the weekend for sure. You know, you, if you want, yeah, a star of the weekend, whatever you want, whatever, you know, WrestleMania weekends, we say, who was the star of the weekend? Who was the guy this weekend? It was Lee Moriarty. Every time he stepped in the ring, uh, it, it he seemingly had a great match. I liked the ACA match, ACH, ACH match. On this show, a little bit more than I liked the match against Gresham from uh, Spring Break, but they were very close. Uh, to me, this was the best match I've seen on the weekend so far: Moriarty versus uh, ACH. And Lee Moriarty is the is the real deal. And and I liked him before this weekend, but now I think, um, you know, he's he's the guy in terms of new faces on the Indies. Right, he's clearly head and shoulders above like a lot of guys. Like you oh, saw him on, so on this night, you saw him on Spring Break, and it's like that dude's a dude. You know what I mean? Like you just see Look, it. You got. I it. don't want to. I don't want to pick on people. I don't want to be not nice. But he is so much better than these some of these people that get hyped, and he right. gets hyped too. But he's head and shoulders above some of these people that get hyped. He's just he has it, and they don't. Uh, I think he can be a, a player moving forward as a major league player. And I don't think some of these other hyped uh, indie people today can be. I, I, I just don't. Um, as far as ACH goes, after watching him this weekend, not only in this match, but against Leo Rush at uh, spring break, he's the best unsigned wrestler in the United States. Yeah, he's great. He's tremendous. And, and in, in all that, the ways that you wouldn't think ACH would be great as well. If you have not watched him, you're correct. probably thinking, oh, ACH went out there and did a bunch of cool flippy dives and do's and all that sort of stuff and had a great, and that's why they like him. No, <laughs> ACH may as well be, Too Cold Scorpio did more high spots than ACH did. AC, he's doing his best career work right this second. Yeah. He's, he's out there just, 
his, 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 he's so smooth in his execution. He's telling great stories in the ring and he's doing half of the shit that he used to do in the ring. And I'm not a grab a hold kid person. Everybody knows that. And that's not what he's doing. His work is just smarter and better than it's ever been before. And he is the best unsigned talent in the United States and maybe the world. And, and he's peaking right now. And he is the perfect opponent for people like Lee Moriarty who need that experience. Lee, a big reason why Lee Moriarty, this was such an important weekend for him, he got to get in the ring finally with people who were better than him. And that's not me putting him down. But you know what I mean by that. It does so much more for a guy like that to work with ACH and Jonathan Gresham than to work with some of the slop that he works with every other weekend. And he's in there with people who are better than him that can make him better. And I thought that was another reason why he really just had a standout weekend because he got in the ring with people like ACH and Jonathan Gresham and did not look like he didn't belong. He absolutely belonged with these guys. So, uh, yeah, I did love that match. Are yeah, you that, still there, Rich? I am. Yeah, yeah. I was just, you know, just I, I, making sure. Just making. Yeah, sure. I know we've had a little bit, a few connection issues here and there, but yeah, I. Uh, the thing that I, I loved about this match and, and, and the really cool, I mean, it went like 16 minutes or whatever. I mean, honestly, the first seven minutes are Lee Moriarty trying to do something and ACH slowing him down, or you know, ACH trying to figure out this kid the same way that Lee Moriarty is trying to figure out ACH. And and that's a really cool dynamic as well because when it was done, Lee Moriarty gets the, the upset win, he gets the huge win, the crowd goes nuts when when he eventually beats him, and ACH feels like the guy that was like, what the hell? What, what is it? this kid came out like a buzzsaw? Like he thought he had it, he thought he understood him, he thought he could slow him down, he could, thought he did, could do all this, and it was like he got beaten. He just got you know whatever. You know, in, in one quick second, it was like a reversal into a, a, a pinfall. He got caught, he lost, and it was just like, god damn it! Like he got me, and and it's really awesome because ACH is the grizzled vet now. He's the guy I know more than you do, kid. I've been around the block, kid. You know, type thing. Is kind of the style the ACH is working right now, and it's like I feel so fucking old. I feel like a thousand years old thinking about ACH grizzled veteran trying to slow the kid down. But that's what it was, and it was it's odd, and he's so good at it. He, he dude, ACH has another 15, 20 years of doing the style now if he wants, because he's good at this style too. Because he's a tremendous pro wrestler, and and that's the thing that always stood out to me about ACH. It was it was always the flips and always the athleticism that people kind of you know remarked about, but he's always just been a tremendous pro wrestler, bell to bell. In all aspects as well. And we're seeing it now more than ever. So I'm with you. This is the best work of his entire career. And I love it. Yeah. And um, it's funny because he's wrestling all the guys. It's like the people he's wrestling are him 10 years ago. But he's in the position of, you know, uh, the, the veteran. Yeah. Learn to work kid <laughs> guy. You know, like. Yeah. And he every time he wrestles one of these Game Changer shows, it's just a completely different kind of match that you see in Game Changer. He's. I hate to use this term, but because again, it makes me sound a thousand years old, but he slows it down and tells a story. And it's not just guys out there doing spots, which is mostly what Game Changer matches. It's just there's no structure on a Game Changer show. They go out there and get all their shit in. But ACH has come on these shows and just taken control of every match that he's in. And I don't want Lee Moriarty is not that kind of guy. He is a wrestler's wrestler. So I don't want people to think that's what this match was. Um, but yeah, this was Moriarty's weekend. To me, this was the best match of the weekend. And um, ACH is, is the best unsigned wrestler in the world. As far as what I thought of Two Cold Scorpio AR Fox, 
that was a legitimate dream match in a world where that term is thrown around way too much. Yes, thank you. Thank you. That's a perfect term I thought of. I completely forgot that this match was on the show. So as I'm watching the file, Moriarty and ACH go, and I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Cool. What's next? And fucking Too Cold Scorpio comes out, and I'm like, what? Awesome. I forgot Too Cold Scorpio was even on the show. And then Ace, and then AR Fox comes out, and I'm like, dude, that's per- what a what a dream. Like, that is legit. Like, w- back in the day when we used to call matches actual dream matches, not when just every weekend had dream matches yeah. and every single show had dream matches, when it's like Gangrel versus oh, somebody. It's, yeah. It's Alley Cat versus Thunder Kitty. It's a dream. No. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, stop. Like. This is a legitimate dream match, like this is, in, in the yeah. truest sense of the word. This is the matches that, like you know, ROH used to have, or DGUSA used to have, or you know, IWA Mid South sometimes would pull out these ones where it'd be like, "Fuck, they got Eddie Guerrero to face." You know what I mean? Like just like these yeah, really cool matches, fuck, yeah. like these whatever, yeah, any number of names. You know it when you know it, and you know that it's not Alley Cat versus Thunder Kitty. It's not you know Gangrel versus Danhausen. Those aren't dream matches. Those aren't like you know, and 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 this one was because it's like holy shit, it's like Two Cold Scorpio, one of the preeminent high flyers of his time versus AR Fox on the preeminent high flyers of his time. And it's just a weird timeline where there's like no other scenario where these guys would have ever met each other ever before, but they're doing it on this night on this show celebrating, you know, uh, the culture that those guys both came up in and, 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 and both those guys and, and, and the things that they had to fight for to get the spots that they got. And it's like, Oh my God, this is awesome. This is a dream match. This is it. And it yeah. rocked. It was so good because it, it was rocked. it wasn't bullshit. He didn't come out as flash funk and dance in the middle of the ring while AR Fox danced with him. And there's funk cats and and all that bullshit. No, they just came out and he was too too cold, motherfucking Scorpio. And he was gonna prove that he still got it. That I'm still a fucking high flyer. And don't forget it. And AR Fox saying, "Hey, look, you might have been the, you know the 1990s high flyer, but I was the 2000. I was the 2010s high flyer." And I'm going to kick your ass. And Tuchel Scorpio is saying, no, no, I'm going to prove that I still got it. And dude, Tuchel Scorpio was great. I, I think Air Fox might be in pain this week, but, but hey, it worked out because it looked, everything that they did looked like it hurt, looked like a fight, looked like a kind of a battle between these two. God, I love this match. Yeah, they went out there and they did their fucking spots. And that's what you want them to do in this scenario. You know, like you said, it wasn't shtick. You know, he didn't he, like you said. He didn't come out as Flash Funk and bust into a dance routine or something like may have happened in another promotion or something. It it just it was just great. Yeah, they said no. You're not coming out as Flash Funk. You're coming out as Too Cold Motherfucking Scorpio, and you're gonna go out there and do fucking moon salts and four fifties and all and, and 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 flying leg drops and all this shit. And he did. <laughs> and it was awesome. And he did the honors for the kid, fifteen years younger, right? The finish that you should have had on a, on a, in a match like this, and um. Yeah, it was just – look, this wasn't like – it's not going to make my match at a year list, okay? It's not that kind of thing, but it was so fun to watch. You just It's a match. You're watching it with a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 so few times in, in, in wrestling these days do I see – especially in indie wrestling, especially in U.S. indie wrestling, do I see a match where I'm like, God, that's a great match. I'm just so glad that this match is happening. It just felt old school. It felt like I was, you know – 10 years ago when the Indies still kind of had some originality and some fun and some interesting stuff. We're such grumps, dear God. But but this yeah. match is like exactly what I want out of it. This is what I love about what the Indies used to be in my mind is, is, is you know, you can bring an old guy back, but instead of making it shtick, just have the dude work his ass off and do the best he can and, and, and have the guy he's facing. You know, it, 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 there's there's just so many things that went into this match that made it great and, and, and just, yeah, more of this, please. But I know it's probably not possible. So. The rest of the show was a mixed bag. There was some stuff that was pretty good. Nothing on the level of Moriarty versus ACH. Uh, nothing uh, on the level of AR Fox versus Too Cold in terms of a spectacle and being something fun to watch. Some of it was flat out bad. Some of it was pretty good. And the rest was somewhere in between. I thought the show was a little bloated. 
But I get it. Because this is the kind of show where if you're going to shoehorn on a little too much, go ahead. Because the whole idea is to give exposure to some of these talents that may not have had it before. I've never seen Trisha Dora in my life. And she was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that was the whole point of a show like this, right? So I get it. I get why it was a little bloated and a little excessive. You just got to live with it, okay? Do I want to see another scramble match in my life? Never. But I get why you would do a five-way scramble to open this with a bunch of names that weren't in that. You know what I mean? The, the idea of these people were insulted. We weren't on the show. Like, that was the gimmick. Going, going right, right. And AC Mack kind of let that gimmick go out the entire time, too. We're like, hey, this is bullshit. I should have right. been you know, on the main show. Uh, and yeah, yeah, there was like that. That's the thing that I loved about this show, and, and that's why I wish the commentary was maybe a little bit better. Because I think this was a great opportunity to really tell you why I should care about a Zay Washington, why I should really care about a Devin Monroe, uh, you know what I mean? Why I should really yeah. care ab- about a Trisha Dora, like, and, and that was the problem. Is I think that they didn't do a good enough job of saying, "Hey, look, this is this is somebody that should be booked everywhere because they're good, and here's what they do, and here's their credentials, here's who they trained with, here's where they wrestle." Like, really, let me know because I I now independently I'm going and finding out about these people. And, and, and researching them and whatnot, where I feel like that would have been a great opportunity to say, hey, this is the purpose of the show. This is why the show is, you know, nine matches deep or whatever, because we want to expose as many great, you know, black wrestlers that we can. And and and, and they did that. They really did with the show. But at the same time, like, I think they didn't do a good enough job of really telling you why we should care about these people and why they should get booked. But there's there's I think there's definitely people on the show that 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 got the exposure that they deserved from the show and will get booked other places because of it. So that that that's pretty cool. It was of the. I saw probably six or seven of these shows where I saw. Let me. Let me. You know what? Let me count it up. I saw one, two, three. People like hearing me count on air. One, two, three, four, five, six. I saw seven shows where I saw, where I can say, okay, I saw enough of it to have a feel for the show, and this was the easily the third best show, and really, I only thought three of the shows I saw were what I would call good. So this was one of the better shows of the weekend. Um, for sure. Way better than the Jimmy Lloyd show we just talked about. And way better than AIW Thunder in Indianapolis. <laughs> Did you see any of this? No. This Will was I? Really bad. No. <laughs> um, I saw most of this. The only match I didn't see was the main event. So to be fair, I did not see the main event, which presumably would be the best match. Um, you know, Josh Bishop versus Matthew Justice, no rope barbed wire. It's the big feud in the promotion. I had something to do and I had just, you know, got away from it and I haven't gone back to watch it because the rest of the show was so bad that I just haven't been super into the idea of going back to watch that. But look, I watch about one AIW show a year and I give them a chance and I never like it. So I'm just going to chalk this up to Joe Lanza doesn't like AIW. And, you know, look, they do a good job out there in Cleveland. They've been around forever. I'm not going to sit here and pound on him because I didn't like this show. Um, I think I'm just going to look cage match. Didn't like it much either. Okay. It's, 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 it's averaging a 4.14 as we speak. So it's not just me maybe when it comes to this one, but um, this just didn't work for me. I thought a lot of their local wrestlers they brought along were, were not good. Um, I had no use for stuff like Dan Housen versus Mordecai. Oh, I mean, but God. that's a, look, that's what AIW does. Okay, and that's what their fans expect, and that's what their fans like. And again, I don't want to beat them up too much because maybe it's just a promotion that never lands with me. Tom Lawler versus the Karate Man. I mean, I've got no use for it, Rich. Ethan Page doing the Karate Man gimmick. Um, Mance Warner versus Mr. Brickster was one of the worst matches of the weekend. That's not just me talking. 
you know, that's universal. That was atrocious. Um, you know, they had a, one of their local tag teams against Alley Cat and Levi Everett. I mean, this this show was – Richard was bad. <laughs> it's um, really terrible. <laughs> it's a, it was a terrible show. It just wasn't good. Um, the tag team title, two out of three falls with, you know, a local team, Marino, uh, Tanaglia, and Philly Collins against To Infinity and Beyond, Cheech and Colin Delaney. They did a best of three falls match. And Cage Match is telling me it was 12 minutes. If you told me this was 70 minutes, I believe. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, and the other problem with this show is because there was a lot of local Cleveland guys and a lot of their people from their school or whatever, none of this was over with, with the Indianapolis crowd. So that hurt the show too. Um, because what the indie crowd got was just a bad pro wrestling show with people right, that weren't right. Old. People that they don't know, yeah, which is it, 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 is is tough on, on a weekend like this. Yeah, and I mean they had a there was a Trey Lamar, Alex Shelley, Lee Moriarty three way, but it's like how about just give us give us Alex Shelley versus Lee Moriarty? Yeah, yeah, you you lose me with a three way immediately because I mean you know why are you mucking it up? And I mean that was probably the best match on the show from my recollection because everything else I thought was pretty bad, but I, and again I didn't see the main event. I'm sure Josh Bishop versus Matthew Justice in a barbed wire match was exactly what I'm picturing in my head, which, you know, um, is probably pretty good. You know, Bill Alfonso running around with a whistle. I, <laughs> I get it. Okay. I, I understand. And I, and I like both of those guys. Uh, but so I didn't see the main event, to be fair. But this was not for me. Rich, I cannot write. Rich, you will hate this show. Uh, there's there, no chance. Don't worry. I'm not watching it. So. And, and and to see Lee Moriarty, there's much better spots to see him in on the weekend than in a three-way. So there's just nothing to sink your teeth into there. I thought that show stunk. Oddly enough, I don't think it was the it was not the worst show I saw. We're going to get to that one. Um, last show on Friday was S, uh, SUP, S-U-P, Swing of the Axe. Did you see any of this, Rich? I did not, unfortunately. But I, I, I've heard some, some interesting stuff about this. So I, I might go check some parts of it out. My second favorite match uh, show of the weekend. And I thought only spring break was better. Um, the one thing about SUP, Southern Underground Pro, the matches never overstay their welcome. They get in, they tell their story, they get out. It's always well booked. AC Mack is like the ultimate heel in this promotion. I love his yeah. work in this promotion. Always love his work in this promotion. Um. The team I just talked about, to infinity and beyond, right? They work AIW in a sloppy best of three falls match that was terrible against the local team. They wrestle violence as forever here, Garini and Koo. I don't love Garini and Koo. I think Koo's pretty good. Garini, I have my issues with. I don't think he's great. As a tag team, they're hit or miss for me. This match was so much better than the best of three falls match on the previous show. And it was just a matter of getting Garini and Koo in there instead of the local team. And I don't want to beat up the local guys too much. I mean, they're local guys. Um, but, I mean, a, 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 this match was 12 minutes and felt 12 minutes. The other match was 12 minutes and it felt like an hour. Um, you know, and, and there's a kid, Nolan Edward, who worked this show that I think people should keep their eye on. I think he wrestled AJ Gray. Um, Daniel Makabe, Lee Moriarty. Now, look, to me it was – Clearly, the number three Lee Moriarty match of the weekend. I have it firmly behind ACH and Gresham. Makabe, people love him. He never quite lands the same with me. 
but it was a solid. I would okay. I would go three and a half. Does that give you an idea? Yeah, for sure. And and I think that a lot of people would like it way better than I did, and they did. This is getting hyped, but in some circles, is the best match of the weekend. And I think, Rich, I think you would like this match a lot. Makabe and Moriarty. It's a good style wise too, because Moriarty can grapple. Right. Yeah. 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 Closing my eyes and kind of imagining it, I could I could definitely see it being up my alley. So I, I, that 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 sounds good. Yeah. I'm looking up and down this card, and, and yeah, this is definitely a card I might check out this weekend because it was good. And 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 look at the match. Times. I know seven minutes, six minutes, eleven minutes, twelve minutes. Eight minutes, five minutes. That's that, that's what I'm down for. Yeah, let's let's. Sup is a different kind of promotion because you these other indies matches go on forever because they want to let the guys go out there and get every, all their shit in. I get it. Sup, there's more direction. You got eight minutes, and here's what we want out of you. And then right. they Here, go here's the story it. of the match. Here's the time you have to do it. Yeah, it it, it, it it's a lot better. <laughs> I prefer this style if, if possible. And when you watch their shows, it's kind of a culture shock. Because you watch all these other shows from the, the collective, and then you watch this, and you're like, whoa, these finishes are abrupt. But then you have to adjust to their their book. You see what I mean by that? It's like, whoa, he finished them with a powerbomb. What? They didn't kick out. There wasn't a million near foot. But you have to adjust to that. That's what this promotion is, and this is how they lay out their matches. So, um, yeah, and AC Mack, he, his deal is he always cheats to, to retain the title. And he pulled – and. My God, I wish Gato was watching this because it's like this AC match, AC Mac match against Manders. He doesn't cheat until the finish, and then he pulls one over on Manders to to defend his title, and that's the heat, right? Because he didn't cheat until the finish. It wasn't a thousand interference spots and 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 a thousand different uh, heel shenanigans spot. He cheated once and beat Manders. And that gets so much more heat than, like, Dick Togo jumping in the ring 16 different times during a match. It's just smarter and better do, to do it that way. And then they did the gimmick where uh, AC Mack is talking shit, and AJ Gray comes out for the impromptu match and ends up winning the title. So you see this guy cheat to get past Manders, and then AJ Gray, the big baby face, comes right, out. Right, right, comes in and beats him. That's cool. That's a really cool story. So, so yeah, but, I mean... AC Mac as the heel champion is just it's booked so much better than like what you see in New Japan with guys like Evil. So I wanted to make a note of that too. And I hope Dylan Hales never listens to this because I don't want him to hear me say your book you book <laughs> Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna better than Gato. Right? Yeah, that chest is gonna be puffed out so far. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna hang that over my head. Where you said Gato, listen to Dylan Hills, you know, follow Dylan Hills lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. you're never gonna hear and, the end of that. And I know it's a team effort and it's not just Dylan. maybe I shouldn't give him credit. Maybe the other guys in the room. Yeah, there you go. Dylan's got all the bad ideas, and the other guys in the room yeah. all have the good ideas. So that's probably how out it's going. Ideas. Yeah, right, right. That's probably how it's exactly. going. I'm sure. <laughs> But no, this was my this is my second favorite show of the weekend. I thought it was a little better than For the Culture, only because it was a better top to bottom show. There wasn't a single match on this show. Well, I shouldn't say that. I Alley Cat was on the show, and you know I don't like Alley Cat. But <laughs> um, other than that, there wasn't a single match on the show that I that I didn't think was that was good. So it was my you know I so I thought it was a better top to bottom show than For the Culture, even if For the Culture without a question peaked higher. It, it without question peaked higher, but right, right. 
this is my second favorite show of the weekend. So, um, and it's a quick watch too. I think it's it's less than three hours. So, um, definitely a show you can go back and watch. And right now I'm stalling because my computer froze up. Okay, here we go. So next match on the next show on the docket as we move to Saturday, and we're going to start moving this along. What do we got? Like fifty minutes? Uh, about so yeah, some- a little yeah, about about yeah, about forty or so left. So. Some of these shows we're not going to talk about at all, though. So I think we're going to get through this um, quickly as I continue the stall because uh, I'm waiting for. Do you happen to have these shows in front of you? I do. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can get them if you need. So. What's the next show? What's uh, the next, next show? Uh, next show I believe was uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. I didn't see any of it. I didn't see any of it either. Sorry, we could move on. There. We can't talk about it then. So um, you want to plug the review on the site? Yes, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Jerry Evans uh, put together a really, really cool uh, review. VoicesWrestling.com. If you want to read. Uh, what Jerry kind of thought of the show, which I think is an interesting, it's, it's an interesting take on, on not necessarily uh, an actual review of the show and an actual review of, but, but more what that show can mean to somebody and how important that is. And we actually, interestingly enough, we have something we'll talk about. I think it's your worst show of the weekend, but uh, we also added a column. It was a really good week for, for columns on the website. Cause we also had somebody who wrote about what paradigm uh, meant to them. And, and, and it's interesting how, you know, these shows that maybe don't land with you and I in the same way, how different people can have different perspectives and think that, oh my God, this is the show exactly for me. This is exactly what I need uh, at this time. And I think Jerry did a great job uh, of, of, of kind of talking about that. And I think, uh, you know, we had uh, Maria uh, had, w- w- did it for Paradigm, uh, which is really, really good as well. So yeah, two, two really good columns on the website at voicewrestling.com about those shows uh, if you want to go and check them out. So. Janela Spring Break, we'll do that next. How much of this did you see? I saw, okay, so Janela Spring Break, I did not watch all of it. I watched uh, Ricky Morton, Joey Janela, Jonathan Gresham, Lee Moriarty, and I did not watch anything else. I am so frightened by the match times that I'm seeing here that there is no chance in fucking hell I'm going to watch the rest of this show because the amount of 20-minute-plus matches I see listed here has me very scared. And then there's the clusterfuck, which I still think is going on. So I'll say this about the clusterfuck. They worked some game changer storylines into the clusterfuck, which you don't usually. Usually, the clusterfuck is kind of just a self-contained thing. Right, right, right. But they did work a couple of game changer storylines into it. But Rich, if you've seen the others, you there's no need to. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. I think I'm good. Um, so you saw Gresham Moriarty. What did you think? I thought it was a smidge below the ACH Moriarty. What did you think? Yeah, I'm right with you. Yeah, I liked it a lot. I think it's really good. It's like a match that if you're if you're trying to pick and choose from the weekend, absolutely one that you should go out of your way to check out. It just lets you know uh, how good Moriarty is and 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 really how good Gresham's gotten as well cuz I think he's tremendous uh, right now too and he's one of the better wrestlers of 2020 for me of of, of guys that I'm watching like consistently uh, go out there and perform. But to me it is it is a step below the AC. I just like the story of the ACH match a little bit more. Uh, I like the kind of the the style of the ACH match a little bit more, but yeah, we're we're still talking about two really really good matches. So definitely, if you get a chance, go watch this one. But to to me, yeah, Moriarty and ACH was just a, a hair better. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But um, I thought this was the second. Oh, I don't know. I really liked Leo Rush and ACH on this show, and I really liked Ricky Morton versus Joey Janela. So. Um, that's why I think this was the second best or, or the best show of the weekend because I thought it peaked the highest uh, with a lot of great stuff. You saw Morton Janela, right? I did, yeah. I, so what would you think of that? Because I loved it. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was great. Yeah, it was It was just – it is not what you probably think a Ricky Morton-Joey Janela match is going to be, but it was pretty goddamn wild. It's just Ricky Morton doing fucking pile drivers through tables, doing a Death Valley driver on the apron, just being Ricky Morton. He gets color – uh, Janella's. It's just, yeah, it's really, it's just a fun, it's just a fun 13 minutes. 
and and one and the crowd is like a hundred percent behind Ricky Morton. You get rock and roll chants the entire time. Ricky Morton's eating it up. It's just it's just one of those fun wrestling matches that just makes you smile the entire time you're watching it. So, was this an extended troll of Jim Cornette? Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. And do you think Ricky's on in on the joke, or was he just like, yeah, whatever, kid, I'll do whatever you want? So he's in on it, but I think it's like, you know, Morton is one of Cornette's guys who he refuses. He doesn't say anything. But he loves Ricky Morton. But Janela did a bunch of spots that you know when Cornette watches this, and he will, that he's going to hate. I mean, he did a pile drive. Morton pile drive Janela <laughs> through a table. And Janela sold it for roughly 1.8 seconds and popped up and was beating up Ricky Morton. Then Ricky Morton did a Death Valley driver <laughs> to Janela on the apron. Yes. And, you know, Morton's doing all these table spots. There's no selling to speak of. And I feel like Janela, you know, kind of partially laid out a lot of these spots just to stick it to Cornette oh, to for say, sure. and I got one of your guys doing my match. Doing my shit. Yeah, that's pretty – yeah, yeah. You're, one yeah. of your old school guys is doing my shit right now. Uh, and I think it's pretty obvious too when they grabbed like the – you know, there was a bunch of signs that were like Cornette or Cornette Clown or I forget what the hell the sign said. Uh, yeah. and, Joey, and, and Joey rubbed Ricky Morton's blood on it and then just kind of like cross-chopped it. <laughs> so I think in case you didn't get the subtlety, uh, he made it pretty obvious that that was a fuck you to Jim Cornette as well, so – and then uh, I think there was this a fuck Cornette and chant I, that I, went on too. So, well, of course, yeah. But Morton's not one of these guys who has his feet stuck in cement. You know, he he works with the modern wrestlers and he gets it. No, yeah, he, dude, yeah, the dude does two Canadian shows a year and wrestler. people love him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's great. He comes out, he does a few he shots a, a year. He did a, he did a Canadian destroyer off. He did a Canadian destroyer off the top rope, <laughs> right? In his fucking match, Ricky Morton. Great. Um, this is an awesome match, a great experience. Morton wins it, so Janela does the job for Ricky Morton, which I'm sure he just was fucking thrilled to do. I mean, there's no way he was going to beat Ricky Morton. Oh God, no, yeah, Morton, right. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was awesome. I mean, it's so much fun to watch. Uh, anything else on the show that that really stood out to you, or AR Fox match? So. Um, and Leo Rush ACH was 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 pretty great too. I mean, you should make time for that. Yeah, are we having connection problems? I think we are. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm you, I'm like, I'm like five minutes like, ahead of uh, you. Yeah, we're not even. We're talking a couple about seconds off here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Uh, here, because um, you know, I mentioned Leo Rush and ACH um, was a pretty great match too, but. I, it's like you're talking over me, so I think we're there's something up with the connection here. Um, is it good now, or are we still off? I mean, I could hear you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Know it's not that on. I can't hear you. <laughs> hey, I don't. Know I just feel on. like I feel like it's hard to have a conversation because I'm talking, but then you're talking because I don't think you're hearing me until, and I think you're hearing me on a delay. Yeah, I am. So <laughs> it's not it's not going great, and I'm I'm scared too to talk when you talk. So I think, uh, well, like, thankfully we're in the final stretch of the show. So, all right. So I guess we try to power through it, but um, let's move on from spring break, which I thought again was the best show of the weekend. Um, so what was next here? It was uh, Glory Pro. Are you wrestling, son? How much of this did you uh, say? Zero. I saw zero of Glory Pro. So. 
Me too. So we're going to move on. Uh, did you watch Freelance? I don't think we're in Chicago anymore. I did not. That, that's one that I might yeah, maybe go back and rewatch, but no, I, I did not watch it. So I didn't get to that one yet either. Um, I did not watch Shimmer. Did you watch Shimmer, Rich? I did not, no. Okay. See, I told you the back end we were going to blow through this because I had a <laughs> right, feeling there were some right. shows that uh, neither one of us saw. Um, Bloodsport 3. World, Josh Barnett's Bloodsport three. I guess, I guess Matt Riddle's Bloodsport is no longer part of the canon. It's it's yeah, it's so, super uh, weird. It's, did you it's, watch the Bloodsport? I did. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because yeah, it's it's it, Matt Riddle's Bloodsport does not count. So it's it's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport three, Bloodsport four, technically. So it's it, very similar to the Rambo movies and First Blood. It's gotten a weird uh, 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 yeah. counting system going on here too. Yeah, it's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport three, but technically the fourth Bloodsport. I watched every bit of it. I watched every every single moment of it. Uh, every single match. So what did you see? I saw the whole show. Um, I thought it wasn't the best blood sport show no. and it wasn't the worst blood sport show. I I thought it was somewhere in the middle. And I thought that the uh, John Moxley, Chris Dickinson main event was clearly the best match. I would agree. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. I, I think it was, yeah, the names were a little tough. Uh, there weren't kind of your high level names like you got in, pa- in, 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 in past blood sports and you're, you've lost a lot of guys as well. You didn't bring in like, a, you know, Minoru Suzuki isn't going to be there. You're, you, you know, you're, you're carrying crosses who was really good or, you know, cross or whatever, who was really good at, um, or killer cross at that time, but who was really good at blood sport, like in that whole, you know, kind of style. He, you know, he wasn't there. There was just some names missing, but yeah, overall, like, I don't think it was a super exciting show. I'm glad I watched it. That's the thing I love about blood sport is like even a bad blood sport match is still fine. It's still pretty good because there's there's an interest level and the fans are always engaged uh, with pretty much everything that happens in, in in the match and and yeah I think like you know Tom Lawler and Homicide was was okay I kind of wish that that was a little bit better uh, David Boy Smith Jr. Josh Alexander was a little boring but that's kind of what David Boy Smith is gonna do and then I thought the Lindsay Snow Elson K the, the the women's you know tournament final was pretty solid but yeah by and large like Moxley and Dickinson blew all those away and and, and Arguably one of my favorite matches of the entire weekend. I thought it was really good stuff there. Dickinson working his ass off. Moxley, who's so good at the style and just feels like he's loving uh, working the style. It was a lot of fun. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm glad I watched it. But, yeah, there wasn't I, – I couldn't really recommend every single match on the show. I would just basically say Moxley and Dickinson if you're trying to pick uh, and choose. But if you just kind of want to take in Bloodsport, I, I, there's, you know, you can – there's worse ways to spend, you know, two and a half hours. It's just, yeah, you're not going to get a bunch of standout matches. Yeah, Mox Dickinson was a top five match of the weekend for me out of the stuff I saw for sure. Um, I don't think I liked it as much as some of the matches we talked about earlier, but um, definitely a top five match for me and really saved the show. I think without that match, this isn't much of a show at all, but the main event was really good and the rest was was fine. So um, that was Bloodsport. Um and then we had BLP Threat Level Noon. Did you watch the Black Label Pro? Right? Oh, believe it or not, I didn't. I didn't make a time for the uh, Threat Level Noon, but I know you did. So let me know all about it. I didn't watch it. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've watched like every Black Label Pro show this year. Begrudgingly, I don't know why you, you do because you 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 love the listeners, so I appreciate that. But no, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, missed I mean, they're usually on on Saturdays, and I'm home, so I just throw it on. Um, it's not like I'm going out of my way, but. This was just one of the shows that I haven't gotten to yet, and I probably won't. <laughs> um, and then that brings us to Paradigm. 
Paradigm Trap Soul. Now, you have suggested this promotion to me in the past. <laughs> I feel so bad now. <laughs> this was without question the worst, the worst show of the weekend. And honestly, it's one of the worst pro wrestling shows I've ever watched in my life. So, I'm was... so disappointed because I swear – Joe, I'm not lying to you. The Paradigm shows that I watched earlier were pretty good. I, I, I don't know what happened. I'm so sorry. I hated this. <laughs> um, I mean – I don't even know where to begin. I mean, this was just some of the talent. I mean, I know some of them were local, so I get it. But I don't know why you'd book some of these people. They're just horrendous wrestlers. Um, the the there was a match. Okay, again, I don't even know where to start with this with this show. <laughs> um, and I'm just gonna chalk it up to a bad show because you told me they've had good shows. Iron Mike Spears, who likes this promotion, said that this was not a great example of this promotion. Okay, okay, because I, I have not seen any of it, so I can't uh, speak to it. But but I, I am worried because I I swear to God, the stuff that I watch from them is pretty pretty cool. So I'm 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 very upset that this the first show that you watch of them is this one, and it appears to not be representative of them. So uh, it was we got in trouble for using this word once before when we were doing a bit. I'm going to use it though and, and mean it this time. This felt shindy to me. A lot of it did. Not all of it. But there was a scramble to open this show. And it was I mean, I know the clusterfuck happened on another show, but this was like a but that's an ironic clusterfuck. Like it's a clusterfuck on purpose. This match was a true clusterfuck in the true meaning. Awful. One of the worst matches you'll ever see. Easily one of the worst matches of the year. Um, a lot of local talent. They were shoehorning their local kids onto the show. I get it. Um, just bad in every way that a match is, is it can possibly be bad. Uh, Billy Starks, listen. I, I don't know how what I should do here. Listen, here's the thing. I'm just going to... I can't do it. It's a child. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's very um, difficult to say... This sixteen-year-old, you know, and, and I will criticize. wait till she's. I'll wait till she's an adult to critique her because I feel everyone says she's a great person and everyone loves her. I get it. Um, I have never seen Billy Starks perform well in a wrestling ring. Can I just say that? Is that fair? I feel horrible. Yeah, it's fine. No, I, I get it. Yeah. What, what do we do? I mean, I have to. What am I supposed to say? I have, you have to, to literally have kid gloves <laughs> when you're talking about this. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I am so perplexed by the praise that she gets, and it must just be I I, I don't know. I'm just gonna stop now. Yeah, it's, it, I think a lot of it is people trying to get on the ground floor. And oh, and that's fine. Um, and and in this match there was the botch. And look, I get it. It's like it was a double tope spot, and. She took a header on the floor and busted her head open. They say she wasn't concussed. That's fine. I'll take their word for it. I'm not a safety nerd. Um, but she was a million years late on the spot. I mean, I, you know, and I'm, I'm not placing blame. I'm just saying, and, and, and the same goes for Starboy Charlie, who's a child. I don't know how I feel about children wrestling adults on these shows. I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. I just, you know, this match was horrible. And I don't know. Um, 
I'm just not going to say anything. That's <laughs> probably um, fair to do. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will say though, and, and and I did see a lot of reactions of like, oh my god, it's unbelievable. She's you know, busted open. This is disgusting. She's a child. All that sort of stuff. Well, if you're going to apply that, then like she can't wrestle at all. You know what I mean? Like if if we have, it's got to be. It can't be both. You can't say. Oh, it's so cool that this, you know, that this girl who's only 16 or whatever, I think I forget if she's 16 or 17 or whatever. Oh, how how cool is it that she's there wrestling? She's, you know, there with, you know, grown women and grown men and she's out there and she's doing but that you you can do that, but you can't say, "Oh my god, it's ridiculous that she's hurt. Oh my god. Oh my god." You know what I mean? Like you can't be concerned about her every move she makes. If she's going to be a wrestler, she's going to be a wrestler. And there's dangers that are going to happen, but you got to we got to get past that. We can't do the we're concerned about her every time she takes a step, but then also say, "Oh, it's so cool that she's 16." And wrestling like it's it, it's got to be one or the other you, you know you just either got to be cool with it uh the risks and everything or or there's got yeah it's it, I, i'm we, i'm uneasy about it too of watching a 16 year old wrestle it's just yeah i don't know if any in any region really a 16 year old should ever wrestle so maybe we're pearl clutching that's fine i, I don't know what i maybe we're pearl clutching on this i i I have a problem with flying starboy charlie in from california to work these shows at 17 years old don't these people go to school it's a Friday afternoon. I mean, well, again, maybe we're pro punching here. I don't know. Because like, Joe Land, there's, no, there's nothing if you're not, but a, a, a prioritizer of school back in the day, well, Joe Lands, I'm sure. You know, well, never, never missed a day of school ever. So, Listen, I, you know, I don't know. I wasn't working indie shows. You weren't working you indie know? shows. You're, you might be running bets for, the, for your dad, but hey, you know what? Hey, that's. Well, I had to go to school to do that. We were, right. we, were shaking down the, we were shaking down the students, Rich. I couldn't skip school to right. do that. Actually, yeah, that's true. You actually were a, a pretty good attendee. Uh, that was but, the clientele, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, no, it's 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 definitely weird. And I think a lot of the – it's one of the big issues is that and, – and, and in some ways it might actually negatively affect her – is people like, oh, my God, she's incredible. Oh, in four years she's going to be the greatest wrestler ever. And it's like, oh just let, let, her, let her progress. Let her get – like – slow down because then all you do is you create a bunch of conversation about her that she might not be able to live up to. Maybe she does. I have no idea. I have no clue what she's going to be in five, six, seven years or whatever, but saying she's going to be the best in the world in four or five years is just like, that's putting like way too much pressure on a 16 year old who's wrestling. Let's, let's really, I I, I have an idea. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I mean, I I just don't think she's very good. I mean, I, I, I don't know what's allowed when you're dealing with someone who's 15 or 16 years old, as far as critique. Um, but I, I just, I, I, I've watched probably uh, seven, eight, nine matches at this point. I thought her best. Prefer- All right. How about I say something nice? Yeah. Let's go Can for I it. say something? Yeah. I thought her best match by far was Deanna Peraza a couple weekends ago. I think for BLP, I don't remember the promotion, but that was basically Deanna Peraza just, eating her up and her selling for Peraza. The story of the match was she can't hang with Peraza, right? That was the story of the match. And I thought that was by far her best performance. She's often in these matches against people like Jake something. And number one, I can't buy it. I can't buy a 16 year old child in a ring against a monster like Jake something. There's a kayfabe issue there, but even independent of that, she wrestles these giant men and they're doing all the work. They're going up for these suplexes. They're it, it's, it's absurd. The matches come across absurd. And I think if she were booked against people closer to her skill level, and you know, we're going to get killed for this. I hope you realize. That. Oh, no, we're gonna, for sure. Yeah, it's fine. We're going to get destroyed for this, but I'm, I, I'm just, I can only tell you what I see. And again, I'm not blaming her for busting her head open. It, you know, acts, 
accidents happen in wrestling. It's, it's rough. And, you know, if, if she didn't have a concussion and she checked out, then it, I thought it was fine that she continued the match. A lot of people thought she should have been yanked from the match, but if it turned out she didn't have a concussion, I didn't have a problem with her. If she's going to start the match and she doesn't have a concussion, why can't she finish? Yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. hundred um, percent. But you know, um, you know, I just, it's, it's, I've just been perplexed when I see some of the, the, the takes. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, this is such an awkward conversation because I know we're going to get destroyed. But if someone's wrestling on these shows, aren't they open to critique? I think I so. I mean, if yeah. they're open, if they're open for praise, they're open for again, critique. Again, I'm saying if we're doing, if we're doing the kid gloves thing, like we, we, it can't be both ways. It can't be, well, you can only say she's good and you can't say she's bad because she's only 16. Well, no, I mean, we, we could do both. So it, it, I, I get, I guess I just don't want to come off like I'm just being mean spirited for the sake of it. I mean, if she was really good, I would say so. I just don't think she's really good. Um, but this is probably a bad match to make that example because it was a scramble with a bunch of other people who most of them right, right, good. right. Like I think what you're and, saying is like the matches with, where she's in there with like pros, pros like Diana Ferrazzo is great. Those matches are probably like, going to be, the, and that's what honestly. Just, if I'm booking her in the future, that's what I do. I say, okay, get in the ring with a great woman's wrestler and have a great match, and she's going to lead you through this. We're going to do a style where where you're the youngster, similar to the Lee Moriarty ACH match. You can do that same template with her for years, but instead, like you said, we're booking her versus Jake something or Josh Alexander, so she can get thrown around and oh, so and, and and it's, you know, it's the smallest girl against the biggest guy. Ha ha ha! Look how funny it is. And then you know, she hits yeah. a Hurricane Rana and he dives out of the ring and slaps the mat. Oh my god! I can't believe she did that. It's the same bullshit yeah. that every every company does the exact same thing and it's it's honestly it's detrimental to her progress where i think having matches with, like that one with diana peraza would probably do a lot more for her in the future but you know i just see an enormous skill gap when she's in there with with the top level indie wrestlers i just don't think she's ready for that um and uh, it's obvious that a lot of people disagree so it is what it is i'm not necessarily it's going to come across like i'm trashing her but i just think it would be beneficial maybe to either what you're saying Get her in there with, but but the problem with getting her in there with the best of the best is the skill gap is always obvious. That's the problem. Um, I don't know. My answer is children shouldn't be working pro wrestling matches with adults. I don't know. Listen, in America, I'm not going to speak for lucha. I'm not going to speak for Japan. I'm not part of those cultures. Okay. I understand American culture. And I understand what indie wrestling just went through a couple of months ago. And that's a whole nother reason why minors. Yeah, I'm staying away from that for sure. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It is. And I get it. She has great parents and they're at all the shows and her father's the photographer. and He's keeping an eye on her. That's awesome that she has awesome supervision and a great dad and all of those things. I'm just saying in general, we need to pump the brakes. There's no reason children have to work these indie shows. You know, and I, 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 I touched on it with Starboy Charlie. I think it's absurd he was flown in from California. What harm is it going to do to wait a couple months till that kid is 18 to put him on these shows? I mean, we have to draw a line somewhere. I get it. The counter would be, oh, it's only a couple months. So what's the di- Well, you have to draw some kind of line. So why not wait until he's 18 and we can wipe our hands and he can make his own decisions? I don't understand why we have to have children on these shows, you know, and that's not why she got hurt. I hope no one is thinking that. And that's what I'm saying. Right, right. Of course. Yeah. Shit. I defended her finishing the match. If it turned out she wasn't concussed 
A lot of people don't buy that she wasn't concussed. I trust her dad. I trust the people that were Yeah, there. and I think if, if I remember correctly, he's, he's, he's a long-time guy in the scene as well. Like, I don't know if he was a wrestler, but I think he does photography and, and other things. He's a photographer, and, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I think he and, – and, and from everything we've heard that he, he's he been a, a great influence on her and is at every show and monitoring a, everything I, and stuff. I had a great conversation with him during speaking out on this topic. You know, I talked – we had a conversation on Twitter. You know, and, and I told him, yeah, if you're – you know – he said, I, I'm at every show with her. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, I wish there right, were more right. people like that. You know, that's great. I, you know, my personal opinion, I don't think minors should be working with adults. It's just a recipe for disaster from on a million different fronts. And, you know, it won't be the first time that everybody hates me if they get on our case for this. That's fine. Um, but, yeah, this show was atrocious. The UWFI stuff just didn't land with me. The rules are confusing. The matches, uh, it, those were the best matches on the show. I'll say that. Uh, Garini and Koo, Eric Stevens, his retirement match, that was fine. But the rest of this show, you know, the scramble and then the, 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 uh, some of the death, the, there was a six man death match, which was, it's probably going <laughs> to, it already get, sounds terrible, but yeah, go on. It's just, you know, the rejects versus, it was, uh, Akira, John Wayne Murdoch, and Reed Bentley against, something called Hardway Heater, Juicy Jimmy, and Nolan Edward, who I talked about earlier. This was just cosplay deathmatch, very badly done, like a bunch of guys that watch Freedom Tapes and then copy spots very badly. Um, this was awful. There was just nothing redeeming or good about this. It was terrible. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen in a pro wrestling ring. I- I'm not even being hyperbolic. It was one of the worst things I've seen. It was just awful unwatchable just so bad um uh, you know and then i didn't even stick around for the clockwork orange house of fun death match i didn't even stick around for it because this show was so offensively awful that i couldn't i just i had enough i'd seen too many death matches bad death matches over the course of the weekend i didn't want to stick around for another one so apologies to bradley prescott the fourth and matthew justice if they went out there. <laughs> you didn't have time for it yeah <laughs> if you guys had the match to the year, I'm sure it was tremendous if that's the case. Unfortunately, I can't tell you a thing about it. Um, I hated this, Rich. And I'm blaming you for making me I know. I'm so story. sorry. I know. I swear that the Heavy Hitters 2 or whatever I watched was really good. I promise. But I get it. You don't believe me. It's fine. That was uh, the collective. That was the collective. All right. We're, far, we're getting in big trouble. You know that. Oh, I know. Fault. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. It's fine at this point. So, should we should do the ad right now? Then, right? No, it's fine. I think we should do the ad right now. I'll do the ad. Okay, yeah. If you're gonna get in trouble, at least get this pro- uh, the promo code right. So, uh, Joe, it is winning season at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, Survivor, and more at my bookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big you got major league baseball going on you're gonna get world series betting here in a little bit you got the nfl you got college football the craziest sports fall of our lifetime is still going on and it's simple you make your picks you win big you collect cash you invest in your intuition you select from hundreds of future bets and bet the games in real time with my bookies live betting you put that big brain of yours to great use Use promo code VOW to double your first deposit. New players get up to 1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now 
to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Winning season begins today at MyBookie. Again, MyBookie.ag. Use that promo code VOW. Get a 100% deposit match or double your first deposit, whatever way you want to do it. Regardless, you put in $100, they give you $100, but only if you use that promo code VOW at MyBookie.ag. All right. Just get the get the get the promo code right if you're going to get mad, and then that's fine. So we're moving on. Yes, we got about ten minutes or so, <laughs> maybe fifteen. We'll stretch a little bit. We'll have the overload stretch it out. Fifteen minutes to do uh, this other six shows we have to talk about. So now we can get them in. A lot. I think of we can. Just, uh... I think we can. We can do a boom, boom, boom. We'll bounce around the world. Bounce around the wrestling world. That's what we're doing. We're bouncing around the world. Where are we start? We start with the N one victory. Let's do it. N one victory. It sounds like the connection's a little better, too. Are we it does. Yeah, it? I don't know. Everything's working. Yeah, they, they knew we're up against it, so they're trying to get everything going. Yes, N1 victory. Let's talk about it. Yeah, things got uh, things got ugly there for a minute connection-wise. N1 victory final. Um, Kato Kiyomiya versus Katsuhiku Nakajima. And as I talked about behind the paywall, as I broke down this tournament night by night, very well-booked final because Noah could not go wrong. No matter who won the tournament, it was a great story. Uh, in terms of who was moving on to face Goshi Ozaki, right? Because you had Nakajima, who just turned on Goshi Ozaki as his former tag team partner. So that would be a great story if he wins the tournament and then faces his former tag team partner for the GHC title. And then you have Keito Kiyomiya, who go beat for that title originally. And Keito Kiyomiya has been saying that that title was stolen from him and, and, and Go robbed him of his championship. So there's a natural story there too. So they gave us a final really rich where there was no bad decision. Whoever won this, it was a good booking call and a good story going into the title match. So uh, from that perspective, a very well-booked tournament. Uh, I reviewed it all behind the paywall. If people want to go back and uh, listen to the reviews of each show and listen to and, and see what matches in the tournament were worth watching. As far as the match itself, I felt like it was an encapsulation of the modern Noah style. If you haven't watched Noah in a while and you don't know what they're about and you don't know what their style is, this match tells you all you need to know. Hard-hitting, stiff, an abrupt, a finish that feels abrupt because there's not a long, epic back and forth. Noah doesn't do that shit, okay? Um, This was just a, a classic example of what Noah brings to the table in 2020. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And Nakajima wins. And he will move on and face Go Shiozaki for the title. I think he should win that match. I think it's time to go back to Nakajima. In fact, whoever won this final, I would have advocated for them to beat Go Shiozaki. Go's had a great year. He has over-delivered. His time is up. And I, I think uh, uh, Nakajima should win the title from him. And 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 away we go. And then from there, you can go with Kano as a challenger, Kiyomiya as a challenger. But that's playing uh, chess and not checkers. For right now, uh, we're focusing on this match. What did you think of this final? Yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really cool. And, and like you said, it's exactly the style that you want. It, it, it's, you know, the guys kind of going back and forth. And, and, and you know, nobody really had a, a clear advantage for the first, you know, 15 or so minutes or whatever. I thought Kiyomiya was really good in this part. He's a guy who you always doesn't always land with me. And I thought he was really good in the early portion of this match. And then when it was time for Nakajima just to win and just to beat this guy, he slowly kind of worked him over, worked him over, worked him over, gave him two big kicks, one final kick, and then just finished him off and pinned him. And like you said, there wasn't like Kiyomiya after the second kick, kicked out a two and, and hopped up and got ready and did a fighting spirit. He just got kicked 
one, two, three, and he lost, and that was the end of the match, and it was over. And and, and sometimes, you know, there, there's there's a place for the kickouts, there's a place for, you know, epic back and forth, and there's a place for a guy to just kick a motherfucker in the head and pin him and win, and, and this was that match to do that. So I, I absolutely loved it, and I thought Nakajima was really good in this as well. I thought both guys were tremendous, uh, and a really fun match that just escalated, 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 and then just finished. And that's it. You just it, it, it was it was an escalator. You know what I mean? It just went up, it went up, and it went up, and then it was done, and it was over. And it's, sometimes that's really cool to see as well, where you don't you don't need a thousand kickouts and a thousand moves back and forth. The guy just beats another guy. Yeah, yeah, and that's the Noah style. That that's what Noah is right now, and Noah just feels different than every other promotion right now because of that. The one thing I'll say about Noah is. Uh, and, th- and they've had a good year. The one thing I'll say about Noah is it feels unique and distinctive in the scene. It's 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 uh, it, they're they're not out there um, trying to do what New Japan does. They know they can't compete with New Japan. It's a completely different and distinct style. Feels different than All Japan. Everything feels different than Dragon Gate. They're their own thing, and it's hard hitting. And I really think for people who haven't been watching Noah, if you watch this match, you will instantly know whether you dig what Noah is right now or you don't dig what they are right. This match will tell you all you need to know because this is a a perfect example of the modern Noah style. And it really landed with me. I thought this was an excellent match and I'm looking forward to Nakajima against Go Shiozaki. Cause I thought go was awesome in the tournament. Uh, I thought go was the MVP of the N one. Um, I, I love the story he's telling with his arms and how his arms are basically falling off his body and everybody attacks his arms. Um, and I think it's time for him to lose. And I think Nakajima's title reign will be far more successful than his last one was if he does win the title. The company is more stable. He has really found his niche in terms of character, uh, which he, you know, he was the white meat baby face last time. Now he's just he's had two years to really tap into what he is as a performer. Yeah, and he's great. This is a great role for him. He just looks like an asshole. You know what I mean? He just kind of looks like a shithead, so it's perfect. Yeah, and and they have that built a million built-in stories with him too. You know, with joining uh, a Congo and this uneasy alliance with Kano. Did you notice Kano storming off after Nakajima won the won the match? Right, yeah, because he was doing commentary out there. They, they just shot to him a few times. It was him and, and Kenta Kobashi sitting at the booth uh, doing yeah, yeah. And, and he was not pleased that uh, Nakajima won. So no, because they still, I mean, they you know they've been kicking each other's heads off for three years. You know, and and. Um, I wrote a review behind the paywall of their last match, which was a K. Well, their last match before the opening night of the N1, which, you know, uh, Kano beat Nakajima for the national title. And then Nakajima beat Kano in, in night one of this tournament. They've had like, I don't remember the exact stats, but they've had like seven singles matches and five of them have ended in like KO. I mean, they just kick each other's heads off. They don't even pin each other. You know, they just, they fight until someone's dead. And now they're in the same stable together. And it's uneasy and it's it's weird and they're obviously, you know, um, it's going to explode. They're not going to be able to coexist. And is Nakajima playing head games by joining Congo? And, or is he going to try to take Kano's leadership role? And, there's just so much going yeah, on. There's a lot of cool stuff. And the other thing, too, with Nakajima is he's 32 years old, which is just fucking wild because he's been wrestling for 20 years at this point, which goes back to our, our previous conversation about uh, uh, Billy Starks. But no, like, you know, Nakajima, it, it's it's – 
it's possible that he's just now entering his prime. You know what I mean? Like, it's not impossible. Like, we just kind of think that, like, what he was before or, or oh, we've seen the best out of him. And we're, that we could just be entering the next. We're, we're entering a whole new chapter of his entire career that might have 10 more years left to go with it. So that, that's something that is kind of interesting because I have seen some people say, ah, Nakajima again. And it's like, dude, as you said, he what he was two, three years ago is a, a different human being than he is right now. The, the clean cut, short hair, protege of Kensuke Sasaki, that is long fucking gone now. Give way to the stringy hair and the weird mustache. Nakajima's going to kick your fucking head off. So, Yeah, he's really found himself, and I think he needed that period uh, after the failed title run to find himself. The company is on far more stable ground now, and... I think this period's good for Kiyomiya, too. He's finding himself after his first title run, which was forced on him way too early and that he wasn't ready for. And this is a great period for him to kind of find himself as a performer, and I think that he is. He has so much more confidence now, Kiyomiya. It just – that was what he was lacking when he was champion. Right. You know, and and now he's – you see it. It just exudes out of him, his confidence levels, because – He's becoming a veteran. You know, he was a kid and they put it on him too soon and it just didn't never felt right. So Noah's moving in some good directions and it's it's with those two. And look, Go is not the future. We all know that. Uh, he's pushing 40 if he isn't 40 already. These guys are the future. You know, it's, it's Kiyomiya and it's Nakajima who's still a young 32. And um, some of the other guys they got coming up, Behind them, that's the future. And and they're very well positioned right now uh, with Nakajima and Kanoa. And I think Noah, Noah has done a fantastic job of rehabbing those guys. Where I don't think you have to go back to Goshi Ozaki or Takashi Sagara anymore. Right, which is good for Noah because Noah's entire history has been them, unfortunately, like failing and having to go back to you know the past or go back to people from before. It'd be nice that you know they can make a, a real step forward with these guys, which is cool. Yeah, and you throw Kano in the mix, and look, I don't think Kano is the kind of guy you want on top. I think he's a great foil. That's what I think Kano is. But, again, that should be your top mix. Those two dudes, Kiyomiya and Nakajima, Kano right there is, is like a foil. Because he has history with Kiyomiya, too. Remember, he knocked him out uh, about three years ago on the January 3rd show, and then they did the callback the very next year. Remember all that between Kano and Kiyomiya? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So there's history there, too. Those are your three guys. Okay, and I think, you know, Kiyomiya obviously is the long-term guy that you want to be your ace move because he's like 23. He's still like 22, 23 years old. But, but now they're being patient, and that's the right move. But this was a, a, a great final, and uh, I'm excited about Noah, and I'm excited, you know, it, it, you know, and I think having some stability helps because as a booker, you get no sour wrong guy here. It's like you can be more patient and be a better booker when you're not constantly looking over your shoulder if the company's going to fold in a week. Right, 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 right. Because then you're not pressing and making decisions like, oh my God, we better pop this cork in house or we're fucked. It, it, it gives you that stability is very important when it comes to laying out your storylines. You could be more comfortable laying something out long term because you're not worried about whether if the tour bus breaks down, if the company's going to fold. You know, so I think that helps too, and I think that gives uh, more. Look, Ron Guy's done a good job. I mean, there's some things I don't like about him. Uh, you know, I think uh, 
all the junior uh, uh, turmoil and everything that, you know, breaking up Rattels and putting it back together 18 different times. That's a mess. Okay. Uh, Segura gun changing members every 10 minutes. That's a mess. But it's like we talked about with Gato all those years. If you nail the top, the rest of that shit really doesn't. Yeah, matter. you're not gonna care. You're not gonna give a shit because the end of the the end of the show is great, or the top tier stuff is great. Yeah, I'm right with you. And that's what's gonna draw your money. So, if you nail the top and you handle these pushes properly with Nakajima and Kiyomiya, it doesn't fucking matter that your juniors are is scattershot booking and 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 this and that. It doesn't matter that you know the underneath stuff. Okay, because what's at top is gonna is what's gonna draw your money. So. Um, I enjoyed the final, and I'm really looking forward to the future with Noah, but we can't spend that much more time on it because we've got a million things to get to. Can we get it all in? Can we get it all in? Well, I think we're right at, if I remember, let's let's see. Uh, You know what? No, we got 10 minutes. minutes. We got 10 minutes. All right. We got 10 minutes. Do it. Champion Carnival final. You didn't see it, right? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. Let's talk about it. that'll, That'll save us some time. Match of the year contender. It might be my match of the year. What? (laughs) Zeus Kentovihara, your match of the Um, year. Rich, I'm telling you, it might be my match of the year. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I got to watch it then. I guess I'm watching it this weekend. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. A lot of people love this match at that level. It was fucking great. And the carnival stunk. That's the thing. Like, the carnival stunk all the way through. Awful tournament. But these guys turned it up for the final. Kento Miyahara slept walk through the whole tournament. Zeus was working, like, four-minute matches in the tournament. They get in there for the final in Cork and Hall, and they went out there and had a match that, without question, is going to finish in my top five, probably my top three, and maybe my match of the year. Zeus was phenomenal in this match. Kento was Kento. He's almost always phenomenal. Okay, But Zeus especially was so great. Rich, at one point, I thought this broke into a shoot. That's how badly Zeus <laughs> That's awesome. That okay, all right, all right. Okay, and he, he broke the uh, – What's he called? The ger- what does the straight jacket German? You know the Kent. Stra- yeah, I forget what it's called. Straight jacket German is all I ever call it. So whatever he calls it, he evaded that. He broke it twice and he kicked out of it a third time. And you know that they don't fucking do that shit with that hold. So it was a definitive win. He beat him. The match was incredible. I don't have time to go over all the spots because we got other stuff to get to. Um, but the one thing is all Japan. They always fall into this trap. The title match against uh, Suwama is in Osaka. In the smaller Osaka. How many times are they going to go back to Zeus challenger for the title in Osaka? (laughs) It has drawn exactly once. You can't keep going back to the same story. It's diminishing returns. And they're out there announcing a sellout. It's the COVID. (laughs) You can't announce a sellout. In the the smaller building too. It's like, Rich, it's like 400 fans at half capacity. So it's like big fucking deal. You would have sold out with anybody in the main event. But they keep going back to Zeus and Osaka. God bless them. It's all Japan. They're looking for any kind of spark. I get it. But again, I think I think this should be a title change too. Suwama has been a nothing champion. You know, he got you through the fucking COVID months. Let's move on and do what we're going to do now. Okay? I got no problem going back to Zeus. So uh, we'll see what they do there. What do we got? Oh, real world tag league. Lost my notes. We don't have time for this. Um, where's my notes? Rich, run down the teams. I, I got them. All right. I got them here if you're ready. All right. Begins November 18th. Ends December 7th. Rural Tag uh, League. Are you doing these on the uh, Patreon? Every single show? Rural Tag League? 
Don't promise that right now. Please don't. Don't, please don't, don't put that heat on me. <laughs> don't, don't promise that, that right now. I'm joking. Don't have to respond to that right now. Uh, but but maybe think about it. I don't know. You know. Anyway, uh, Violent Giants, Suji, Shikawa, and Suwama. Purple Haze, Eerie, and Zeus. Uh, Jin, Jake Lee, and Koji Iwamoto. Uh, Enfant Terriblaze, Kumarashi, and Sotaro Oshino. Uh, Sai and Yoshitatsu. My God, Ryuji <laughs> Sai and Yoshitatsu as a team. I can't believe it. I am all in on this team. Team ECW, Masato Tanaka, and Tajiri. Masato Tanaka and Tajiri. Uh, we also got Kobayashi versus Sakamoto, or uh, Kobayashi and Sakamoto, your team out of Big Japan, and then your last team, Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi. So, so Sakamoto. So Daisuke Sakamoto and, uh, and Abby Kobayashi here, they're going to be in the mix because their final night opponent is Violent Giants. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. That, 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 that'll be a hell of a match. And then Kento and Yuma, obviously they're going to be in the mix. Um, that was another big story in the carnival. Remember, Yuma turned on them, but they kind of like patched things up uh, over the course of the tournament. They're facing Jin on the final night, so those are going to be your, your, your important matches. But what does that tell us? Rich and Fonts continue to be booked into fucking <laughs> Dude, yeah, they, they, All Japan's lost me. That's why I'm, 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 I'm going to break up with them right now. I'm, I'm mad at them. We're on a, we're on a, a hiatus for a bit because of what they did to Ashino, but that's fine. They're facing Tatsu and Sai on the floor. Oh, fuck so, yeah. Know. They're not going to be involved in anything. So. Yeah. So, Team look, Lance it, and, yeah. look, he got – Ashino got his little COVID push. That's it. So they're never going back. He was like the first guy eliminated in his block. Well, no, the second guy eliminated in his block in the carnival. Um, and he wrestled well in the tournament, especially by carnival standards where everybody was shitty. But you can see what they think of them. So um, that's that. But that's the uh, real world tag league. I don't know when it starts. Doesn't matter. What's the next <laughs> I said November 18th it starts. It starts November 18th. 18th. Ends oh December God, 7th. Yeah. So We didn't even need to talk about that yet. But anyway. <laughs> I know. You were in a, a huff to do it. But yeah, we got another month. Anyway, NXT TakeOver, Joe. There was a TakeOver. Uh, this, this feels like only one person on earth is going to get this. Uh, my man, uh, the Falcon, Mikey Falcone. This flagship feels like the Night Court episode where Harry where Harry was desperately trying to break the record for number of cases heard in a day and they were trying to get everything in before midnight. That's what this feels like. And only Mikey Falcone is going to understand that. RJ City would understand it too, but I'm positive he doesn't listen to this. Uh, yeah, I don't anyway. think RJ City listens either. But yes, Night Court, and a good, a good Night Court reference here. NXT TakeOver. I forget what the name was. Was it TakeOver 32 or something like that? They haven't even, they don't even come care. up. They don't even care. Um, go. <laughs> I didn't watch any of it, so go. <laughs> Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly. It ruled. This it was fucking awesome. They went in there and beat the living shit out of each other. To the point where they beat the shit out of each other a little too much. Yes, they both matter. <laughs> and O'Reilly has a concussion, which they won't admit he has a concussion, but he has a concussion. Um, you know, he hasn't wrestled since. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Finn Balor just had surgery on his jaw. But um, look, I thought the juice was worth the squeeze here because this was fucking awesome. This was so violent and nasty that uh, the suspicion is that they had to take it home early because the finish was kind of abrupt with uh, Balor hitting the Coupe de Gras without much fanfare or buildup. But it kind of fit the story of the match because it was just a rugged, nasty fight. And give Finn Balor credit. He went out there and had Kyle O'Reilly's kind of match in the biggest match of Kyle O'Reilly's career to help Kyle O'Reilly look good. And that was my main takeaway from that. 
As far as the takeover itself, one of the better takeovers recently. A lot of them haven't been that great. I thought this one was good top to bottom. Kushida doing this new gimmick where he just beats the living shit out of people. And uh, he did that with Velveteen Dream in their match. The opener, Johnny Gargano versus uh, Damian Priest. I thought that was an easy notebook match. Even though it's not trendy to be into Johnny Gargano or even Damian Priest at this point. But I thought they went out there and killed it. Uh, what am I missing? Uh, you were missing uh, in between matches uh, was Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Scott for the Cruiserweight title. Solid as hell. What else? Uh, Io Shirai is Candice uh, LeRae. Weakest match on the show, but by no means bad. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good show. So I, I, I definitely uh, will try to make some time for it this week. It was so. a good show. I mean, I know a lot of time has passed. You're probably never going to watch. But the main event is well worth your time. I, I have a lot of time this weekend. So I might, I might try to, between the G1s and stuff, watch, watch that main event. Because I've heard nothing but good things. And it sounds right up my alley, too. So. What's next? Next, Impact Wrestling Victory Road, Impact Plus exclusive. But Joe, you got that exclusive because we got connections. We got people. We got peeps. So you were able to watch Victory Road. And the main event, I think you uh, had some high praise for Eric Young, Eddie Edwards. I cannot believe that that is the main event of this uh, Victory Road, but it is a pretty goddamn good match. And, and I know that Eric Young is getting a lot of praise from those few people that are still watching Impact Wrestling. You don't have to be sleazy about it. They gave us a review copy. We're a big-time site. Okay? We're a big-time site. So I did check out the Victory Road. Uh, Eric Young versus Eddie Edwards was an excellent main event. Uh, Excellent main event. The thing about Eric Young as world champion is he's a totally credible world champion in impact. Yeah, in that universe. This would not work anywhere else because he's Eric Young. But in impact, it works. And he's a better worker than people give him credit for. He always has been. Okay? In the Impact universe, he's a legitimate world title caliber wrestler, and that's why it works. And he retained here against Eddie Edwards, who's always solid, and I thought that was the best match on the show, on a show where everything was okay. Um, this is not a show I think that's essential viewing, but it was uh, It was kept simple. It was kept basic. Uh, it was not overbooked. And, um, you know, if anything, I think people – uh, who listen to this show would really enjoy the Eric Young, Eddie Edwards match, especially if they've been keeping up with impact, but this was a weird impact plus event. It wasn't a pay-per-view. So I could see some people who even watch impact blowing this off. Ah, I'm not paying for the service. And it's not a pay-per-view. So fuck it. But if you're an impact fan and you're into impact, the Eric Young, Eddie Edwards match definitely delivered. What's next? Next is Rev Pro UK Epic Encounters three. Okay, so I have heaped effusive praise on RevPro and their word. Nice job. And their yeah, that's right. And their restart on Epic Encounters one and two. This was the weakest of the three shows, without question, as far as a top to bottom wrestling show. In fact, I can't recommend any match on this show, with the exception of the main event, which was Willow Spray retaining the British heavyweight title over Kyle Fletcher. I thought they might do a title switch, but when Willow Spray showed up at the G1 with the title belt, kind of tipped off that he was a <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> New Japan doesn't play that shit. You know what I mean? New Japan would not be happy if he lost that title. And on the showed up with belt. it. Oh, he'd be in real trouble. Real trouble with this company, for sure. Yes, and he had to, like, take off the title in the middle of the tour. They'd be annoyed. You know they don't play that. So, tipped off the finish, which hurt it a little. But, Rich... Picture a Willow Spray Kyle Fletcher world All right, title closing game. my eyes. I got it. 22 minutes. I got it. Was it that? That's what it was. Oh, okay, awesome. Four stars, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
excellent match between these two. It absolutely delivered. Some good banter. And some good in-ring banter between the two. Uh, they got right down to business, man. They got right down to business. Not a ton of banter. Um, I will say that this J.J. Gale continues to impress me. He's another one of these guys who I didn't even know who the hell this guy was, uh, you know, uh, pre-COVID. But he's one of these guys who I think has a real opportunity to step into some of them empty slots on the British independent scene. He knocked it out of the park with Mark Haskins on Epic Encounters, too. I thought that was arguably the best match on that show. But I said to myself, all right, it's Haskins. He's in there with an experienced guy. On this show, he was in there with Robbie X. And while it wasn't as good as the Haskins match, his performance was. So this J.J. Gale, I'm a believer. I am all aboard on J.J. Gale. I'm all aboard on Callum Newman, who didn't work this show. I'm all aboard on Ricky Knight Jr. That guy's got it. Um, eh, Connor Mills is okay. I don't put him on the same level as the other three, but who knows. And this Robbie X, this guy's a great worker. He just looks terrible. I mean, if he would just wear a mask or something, it would totally enhance his look. But we don't have time to break down the Rev Pro roster. Did we? What's left? What do we got? That's it. You did it. We're done. We did it. We got we it all it. in. We got it all in. A little bit. Uh, uh right, right. Oh, right on the uh, about a minute over the money uh, over it. But that's that's fine. We'll take it. patreoncom slash wrestling to listen to all these shows live. That's it for us. We're out of time. Completely out of time. We gotta go. Joe Lanza, Rich Grage. Bye.